Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than magazines like Smash Hits, Top of the Pops, Looking and Fast, Fast, Forward, 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 Forward. I'm Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. And it's a happy new year. It's 2018. I think I can still say happy new year to... It's our first show of the year. I can still say happy new year to you all, can't I? 2018, which means we are now 20 years from 1998. That make you feel old? It was 20 years ago, 1998. Michael Owen, France 98, all that. It was 22 two decades ago, core. That does make me feel a little bit on the old side. It's funny, actually. Little quick story before we go into today's show. Uh, in my day job, I work on Kick Magazine, which is a kids' football magazine. It launched in 2006, and I've been there for about a decade or so. Um, and over the years, I've interviewed footballers, blah, 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 and they, I mention where we're from, what magazine we're from. And, and they've been polite, some of them, over the years, and said, oh, I used to read that when I was a kid. And they didn't because it didn't exist and they were probably either just being polite or they're getting it confused with the likes of Match and Shoot and 90 Minutes, which which is totally fine because we didn't exist. I take no offence if they're they're just blowing smoke up me, but it's always nice to hear. However, the last interview I did, uh, last one of 2017 actually, I spent time with Liverpool's Trent Alexander-Arnold, who is a 19-year-old. And as we were getting set up for the interview, I was sitting down and just having a small talk before we got into what we were going to ask him. I have got put the magazine on the desk, he picked it up and had, had a flick through. And he said, oh, oh, I used to read this when I was a kid. And at the time, I thought nothing of it, as I've heard it quite a lot. Just thought he was being polite. Uh, he may still have been when I get to the, the crunch of what I'm talking about. But then on the way home, on the long, long way home on the Virgin trains back from Liverpool, because they uh, decided to have lots and lots of delays. Thank you very much, Richard Branson. Um, it actually dawned on me that him being 19... Kick being over, what's now 12 years old, so he would have been around the perfect age to read Kick when he was kind of 9, 10 years old. It would have been around, it would have been firmly in his zeitgeist, in his circle. So he actually could have read Kick magazine and it made me feel so old. Because it's always been a magazine that's not been around that long, but now we've actually reached the point where the footballers we feature in the magazine, born in the 90s, actually read kick magazine he may have still been still being polite and just saying it but he could have really actually read kick magazine and actually read my writing when he was a kid and now he's playing for liverpool and getting talked of a plan for england so crazy a little crazy thing that happened to me that um i didn't really think about until the way home but that's where we are it's it's 2018 we're 20 years ago from 1998 and and that's the the, the point of my life that i'm in now and there's nothing wrong with that i'll embrace it and then just look back on the 90s as I always do. Talking of which, that brings us to today's episode because as fans of 90s football, we got the perfect start to 2018 thanks to the guys at 442 magazine if you haven't seen this i'm sure you have because if you don't follow um 442 you would have seen it on our twitter feed because we've mentioned it quite a lot or on my own at ash rose uk they've done for their first issue of 2018 a 90s special i mean the cover alone is absolutely fantastic a proper montage uh, with pictures that you would have seen on our twitter feed and all uh, really sum up the decade as well i mean just just picking out a few here i'm looking at it it's got jamie Redknapp in that uh, those suits from the 90s Cup final, Alexi Lalas, Valderrama, Peter in love, uh, Ian Wright and Gazza in the mud, 
Owen, Cantona, Klinsman, Victoria Beckham, the Gallagher's, Brian Laudrup, Aspria, Burkamp, Zidane, Tilly Lombardo, Scalacci, Campos, Miller, Letizia, Kinchelskis. The list goes on. They're all on the cover. The issue's fantastic. There's brilliant interviews with uh, Andre Kinchelskis, um, some in, uh, with Philip Albert. Um, there's some other... Oh, Georgie Campos, which I really, really enjoyed for a bit. So Ravenelli. There's some bits and bobs on uh, VHS videos. Um, there's a heart back to the Ajax team of the 90s, which are fantastic. Uh, the making of the super gaffers where they've linked it to today's football but the kind of the feature that holds the whole magazine together is called 90 things that we love about the 90s which is a great feature written by the whole team there Hitesh and and all the guys at uh, 442 magazine and they're all involved in that feature so what I thought we'd do today as I'm combining the two things you know we're fans of 90s football big fan of 442 anyway which launched in the 90s that first issue of Terry Venables on the cover we're going to go through that feature bit by bit um, some of them we'll literally just talk about there are 90 of them I realise I don't want this podcast to go old Bruce Pritchard on you for those of you who know that reference I mean a five hour show um, and just talk through the 90 things that they've they've chosen and some of them we'll agree with some of them we won't and some of them we'll hark back to the shows that we've done before and we won't talk about them too much for instance Dream Team's mentioned we did a whole show on that so we're not going to talk about too much about Dream Team because if you want to hear us talking about Dream Team listen to Into the Dragon's Lair about three or four episodes ago which we talked about because uh, it was 20 years ago since the start of that but yeah so that is the meat of today's show I've got Joel Young on the show as per usual the, uh, the grandfather clock of AK90s and somebody who who is our regular on here and joining him another regular but two that haven't been together before so that'll be interesting Matthew Christ is also joining us on today's show for this special look at 442's 90s issue we also also got an interview as well this was recorded just before Christmas um, it's with former QPR and Bristol Rovers defender Trevor chalice so i'm not going to do too much of a long intro today just because we've uh we talked for quite long on these 90s uh 90 things that you they loved about the 90s and i want to get straight into the meat of this 90s football sandwich and on this first pod of 2018 Remember, you can follow us and keep in touch with all things Alive and Kicking the 90s Football Podcast on Twitter, at AK90s, uh, and on Facebook as well, but mainly we use Twitter. Um, if you do enjoy the show, I haven't said this for a while, but please, please, please do give us uh, a five-star rating and review on iTunes because it really helps us going forward. Um, I really want to build this show bigger and badder and better in 2018, and that firstly means doing more shows. So hopefully uh, we'll be with you on a more week-to-week basis, the very, very least on a fortnightly basis, but I'm going to really try, get the guests involved, get the, the footballers on the phone, get my ducks in line and make sure we try and get a show every week or every fortnight delivered just for you, you 90s fans. Because people have been in touch asking when their next 90s fix is after our Christmas special, which I really enjoyed uh, with Joel and Sid where we did our Christmas wishes. So yeah, really looking forward to that. We're also going to try and come up with new themes as well. I've been talking to um, some of the guys who are regulars on the show deciding what we're going to do. I think we're going to do a transfer uh, theme before the end of the month just to link it with the, the January transfer window at the moment. And we're going to start our icons, uh, icons, easy for me to say, uh, of the 90s themed podcasts uh in the next couple of weeks as well so uh yeah i'll put on twitter who you think we should talk about but it's going to be obvious you know we can talk in like guys like paul gascoigne ronaldo eric Cantona, roberto baggio might even do one on roy wegley that might be just for me though so yeah that's all to come this year in 2018 that's make alive and kicking bigger and badder and better than it's ever been and prove that it's not only the original 1990s football podcast but it's the best one as well that's what we want to prove to everybody uh little thank you as well to chris sutra who is a 
colleague of mine at Kick Magazine. He recently gave the Twitter banner and the avatar a little update, and I think it looks fantastic. If you haven't seen it, go on to AK90s, have a look at his good handiwork. So thank you very much, Chris, for sorting us that. He did the Christmas one as well over Christmas. I don't know if you guys saw that, where we had all the Christmas pictures on the Twitter profile as well. So yeah, check that out. But let's get on with today's show then. We are talking 90 things that 442 loved about the 90s. We're going to discuss it all with Joel and Matthew Christ, as well as our interview with ex-QPR and Bristol Rovers defender Trevor Chalice. Welcome to 2018. It's our first show of the year. As I said in my intro, it's now 20 years since 1998, so that makes everyone feel that little bit older. Um, we've got a kind of differently themed episode today. We're jumping on the bandwagon of, of 442's latest issue, so we'll get to that in a second. But let me introduce two of my pals and two pals who regulars to the show, but they've never been on together. So this is a first for us as well. Uh, firstly, he is the ying to my 90s yang, the leader of the... Janino fan club, grandfather club, all those monikers. He's currently working on The Voice for ITV as well, social media-wise. Joel Young, how you doing, buddy? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Currently watching my daughter trying to get to sleep. I'm sure she'll last the podcast that she'll go to sleep. And, and Well, yeah. you know, if she, if she gets bored by this 90s football talk, which I'm sure she will, <laughs> then she'll be flat out before you know it. Yeah, maybe I should let her just listen. She, she did, I did catch her the other day reading my, well, I say reading, she's two nearly, but she had my 90s book in her hand and I had to put it on Instagram. So she's getting her education already. So that probably sent her to sleep anyway. Um, Joining join Joel, as I said, for the first time, but no stranger to this podcast. It's been a while since we had him on though, but it's a pleasure as always. Been doing great stuff for the sportsman at the moment some great articles on there at the moment on Addy Cole and a great one about the invincibles that weren't as in the Arsenal 1990-91 team um, it's Matthew Christ how you doing Matthew hello mate how are you happy new year yeah can we still say that is it still well uh, 15th is the cutoff, apparently, isn't it? Oh, so, is that um, official? I always wonder oh, well, that. It, it is now, yeah, okay. I suppose. I'll so, yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New... Uh, is it 90... What are we on now? 1998? Or are we in yeah, 99 now? 98, I suppose, yeah. In, in my yeah, head, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, so what we're going to do today... I mean, there's no CVs. These guys are regulars and stuff. Um, so we won't... Uh, just a quick word, actually, Matthew, on your articles. The, the, you're doing stuff for the sportsmen. It's all very uh, nostalgia, isn't it? So just to give a little plug to, yeah. to what you've been doing. Yeah, well, anyone that, that reads my stuff um, will know I love harping back to years gone by, 90s, 80s as well, um, well, 70s, 60s, anything really that um, I, like, I like to talk about. But um, yeah, I just like to pick up on things from years gone by that might be relevant um, to today. And um, like you say, I did the piece recently about the Arsenal team in 91 that nearly went through the season unbeaten and uh, lost one game to Chelsea in the February that season after 23 games I think it was 24 games and I just thought it was relative now because everyone's talking about this City team as though it, obviously the league probably is done but it's almost as though if they don't go through the season unbeaten it's some kind of failure you know and I, which I think strange because but then saying that that Arsenal team that lost one game in 91 they're almost looked upon as not being up there with the Invincibles or yeah. the greatest team in history. But when you look at what they achieved, um, they, they probably should be. But just by losing that one game... There's more um, games there as well, wasn't there? Yeah, and yeah. It, it sort of blasted their copybook. And it, it almost reminds me, I'm not a rugby fan by any means, but it almost reminds me of the, um, you know, in the Six Nations, a team can win the Six Nations, but if they don't win the Grand Slam or they don't go unbeaten, it's almost like a tainted achievement. And um, it's almost, that's how I felt with Arsenal that season. And I get the feeling if City 
do lose a game, even if they win the league by 25 points, people almost say, ah, oh, yeah, but they, you know, they weren't that good because they, they lost a game, which is bizarre, really, because if you think of some of the great teams that we, we harp on about, particularly on this podcast, you know, a lot of the United teams of years gone by, no one gave a, a damn whether they lost three, four, mm. five or six games. But it seems to be the, the thing now, isn't it? It's like City has set the bar even higher and yeah. uh, it's a marker isn't it it's now i mean i don't think they will lose a game although apparently i read they haven't done the double over liverpool for 80 years which is a good well, start which they are they're yeah. playing on but yeah that's for the modern era i mean we won't talk modern era with you joel because how's things with tony pulis <laughs> uh, you know what i couldn't be happier i think it's the absolute uh correct appointment I, I thought gary monk was a bad idea from the start i wasn't one of these who was shouting and screaming about it from the rooftops because i think you've always got to give a new manager a, a chance but i wasn't convinced from the beginning i didn't think he'd set the world on fire at Leeds united particularly uh i thought it was a very peculiar appointment we're not one of those clubs to be honest that you know we're not like newcastle although at the minute they've changed the tune because they're all in love with rafa benitez but we don't demand this swashbuckling entertaining style they're quite happy if we could squeeze a one mil out i think most of the time and already it's had a positive effect on 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 the club it just seems it feels a lot more solid so you know what mate i'm all right with it he finished seventh in the premier league last year mate good point yeah good point well made it doesn't matter uh, about the football so, you know I'm, I'm i'm quite happy with that if we if we get two three good years out of him and finally we get somebody who leads a solid foundation for then somebody else to come in i'm glad we haven't gone for the uh up-and-coming young manager, which seems to have been our way for, you know, 20 years or something, you know, which which sometimes has worked and sometimes hasn't. Um, I'm perfectly fine with it. I think it's, apart from Strachan, I mean, uh, but perfectly fine with it. I think it's uh, a good, solid appointment. Who's There's the talent in that squad there. And the most surprising thing of all is, he's in love with Adama Traore, which who would have ever thought that Traore, Mr... Um, you know, just run and no final delivery. If you watch, if you saw the game against Sunderland last weekend, and I know it's only Sunderland, sorry Sunderland fans, but um, the way that Traore turned and set up that first goal was absolutely magnificent. Sort of real dazzling, top top notch bit of skill, turned and then passed three players, and finally a through ball for a goal, which I think is his first assist. Might be, I might be wrong on that, but I think that's his first assist proper in at Middlesbrough. So, yeah. Um, I think it'll be. It, I think we'll be solid but unspectacular, and I'm I'm sort of quite happy with that because three months ago we were soft and unspectacular. Mm, well, I'll see it for myself. We have got you next weekend. Got a couple of weekends yes, next time. Week, yeah, 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 yeah. We've got Fulham tomorrow, and then QPR. Yeah, I think at our place. Yeah, well, so, we're yeah. horrendously un- inconsistent, so I couldn't tell you what to expect because Ian Holloway usually throws his balls in the air and, and see who lands and, and picks the team. So, but that's uh. that's talk about a better time. That's talk about a, com- <laughs> a comfier time. And what we're doing today, um, I don't know if any of you, as I was mentioned in the intro, have seen. You probably would have seen it on our Twitter feed as well. For the guys at Four Four Two, their latest issue, I think it came out just the start of the month, the seventh, I think it was out. Um, it's a ninety special, brilliant, great way for us to start the year, great way for them to acknowledge what we do on here as well. Although they mention a different podcast in the magazine, but less said about that, the better. They've got, they've got a comedian from a primetime comedian, I suppose. I suppose that allows it. But what we thought we'd do, we'd go through that. They've got a fe- the main feature, the main bulk of the magazine, alongside some great interviews and stuff, is they've done 90 things that they loved about the 90s. Now, obviously, you know that we love the 90s, the guys here, that's why they're on it, that's why we chat about it all the time. So we, what we thought we'd do, we'd go through this list, not really chat on every single one, because we've got other lives to lead and I'm sure you want this uh, podcast to last at least just an hour or so I don't want you to all day long so a couple of them a few of them will just sort of 
glimpse over but we'll we'll stop on a few and have a chat with the boys here about their memories some of the stuff we've we've covered before um a couple of them even had, had a whole show so we won't need to to go on those uh, we've also got an interview in the middle of that which i'll get to in a bit so I mean, if you've got the magazine in front of you as well, why not uh, play along, I suppose, have, read along with us and, and you can uh, experience it all round, like a 3D effect. Is that a thing? I don't know. But try it. See what happens. But that start at the number one. So they've got 90 things. I mean, there's lists that are slightly smaller. There's some chunks that are slightly bigger. Like I said, we'll just go through it and the boys will chip in where and where they want to. And I'll mention a few things because there is a few things we've never mentioned as well. So it's good. Starting with, which is their number one, I'm not going to number them, this was the first one and that's all I'm going to say, I'm not going to go two, three because it's just, it gets a bit boring and tedious, but they kicked off on their little strip at the, at the side, Robbie Fowler's Easy Breathe Plaster. It's a good way to start, isn't it? I mean, any thoughts on this? I'm not going to go too much detail on this. I remember the figure that he had, they had of in the big Hasbro ones having it, but did uh, ever of you, what were your opinions on the stupid nose plaster? wasn't it to try to help him to breathe more easily but then it became sort of associated with his antics i'm saying that as uh you from possible. yeah yeah and i mean that was that it sort of almost became it, it was a weird thing to start off with i mean weren't they just were they ever proven to have anything i, don't think I mean so. you see you, i'm sure the company that made now, them proved that they were but oh, uh, sure they did, well, they, they, well they did or not I mean, I think they the, weren't there to assist with snoring or something originally. And then, because yeah, you see players I, now, I always get annoyed with, you know, when they've got those big patches on the middle of the shirts. And yeah. I'm like, what's all that about? And it's like Vicks Vapor Rub or whatever it is. <laughs> and I think, isn't it like, and, and nobody seems to be telling me whether that's a gimmick or not. So I, I just always thought the nose thing was just a total gimmick and he was doing it to try to, in wrestling parlance, get himself over. Yeah. I, I think. I think it probably was a gimmick, wasn't it? But I mean, whether whether it worked or not, I suppose you'd have to uh, ask him himself. Did he have but, shares in it? Did they help him buy property? Didn't he? Am I imagining this, or didn't he end up having one? And or didn't somebody want to sponsor one, or put? A, a, I'm sure somebody was trying to put a. <laughs> I'm sure that would have happened. Or, yeah, or something on yeah. there, and um, yeah, because it just became such a thing. And he obviously started, I think, and then it's a bit like with cricket. You know, everyone used to walk around with a, that white face paint on to protect you from the sun which you never see yeah anymore. i mean what what is it with these things surely people still need to breathe properly breathe. so why why are we not seeing it anymore do people just think well that didn't work or well it was only him as well it's not you know you mentioned the, the vapor rub and the snoots is another thing we had a couple of years ago wasn't it and i suppose the things they were under there um the base layer i think they're called as well you see a, a collection of players but i don't really remember anyone else other than robbie fowler i think a couple of people did jump on board i couldn't name them but i, I think yeah, it was a I bit like a remember emperor's that. new clothes type thing you know people thought oh yeah we got it and it classically you'd get the uh, sunday morning players you know, oh, running obviously. around yeah. using them, just, uh, <laughs> thinking that they worked. But um, I never tried one. Maybe, maybe we should, for the purposes of this show, maybe we should. Uh try them sometime yeah, yeah. if anyone's ever tried them exist. if anyone's ever tried them who's listening tweet us and, and tell us if they did anything did they work and if you find any other players i'm going to do a search after recording now who in the 90s wore stupid nose plus then uh tweet us and i'll tweet it on i found something on fifa oh um fifa's website fifa.com uh Better breathing with strips. I'm trying to read. Surprising results. The average improvement was 20%, but individual differences were very marked. In nine of the test subjects mentioned, maximum performance when breathing through the nose only increased by 13%. There's a huge article here on there, but it's, it's, it's not a substitute for fitness. 
according to FIFA. So there you go. Oh, there you go. I think I've heard Robbie Fowler stand by it over the years. Whether he was just using the gimmick and just living up to it, I don't know. But that's longer than I thought we'd go on, on Robbie Fowler's easy brief <laughs> blaster. So let's, let's continue with the list. Um, I mean, tiny players wearing massive shirts. That's an, an image. I thought of Janino, Joel, when, when I saw well, that. Yeah. That's the Always. But, always. But yeah, that was that was something about the big baggy shirts everyone, of the 90s. Everyone wore baggy, sh- yeah. <laughs> baggy shirts back then. It was a thing. It was a thing. Was a thing. Yeah, uh, it's, to cover, it's to cover the fact that the players weren't exactly the machines that they are now, which exactly. we talked about in the last one, Pat yeah. players. But uh, yeah, I think there's certainly a degree of that. Whereas now everybody wants a modelling contract with Armani, so they want to show off their you know beautiful pectorals and such. They want to be hench, as we used to say in, in the nineties. Uh, Rent, Rentford rejects is number three. Now I think I mentioned this when we did TV and football, and I don't. Joe, you were on that one, I think. And yeah, nobody really remembered the Rentford rejects. I have no, no absolute memories of it at all. But reading reading it in in this, it's uh, uh, yeah, just uh, some of the people that it had had yeah. on it, you know, and Russian stuff. I, and the theme by the Mannix, which no, mate, honestly totally passed me by I, I have no comments on this it must be the only kind of football telly thing of the 90s that I have absolutely zero memory of but yeah Matthew, sorry about that any remembers yeah, you? none at all you oh. know? I, I'm trying to think when in the 90s was this what are we this talking was quite, classic mid 90s this was or quite late, late and it was a kids show so um, yeah, well I would have been too busy out enjoying yeah, myself may, then. yeah I was, in, I was in nightclubs yeah maybe my, <laughs> my slightly younger age between you two not trying to point out anything I, it, was on, it was on Nickelodeon uh, oh, in God. the late 90s uh, and it was just about a group of sort of a Sunday league team well not even a Sunday league team because it didn't have that appeal to it just like a, a youth team and it was kind of set in Britain they had this fake Italian called Bruno uh, the, the lead guy supported Hull he always wore a Hull City shirt it was terrible it was absolutely terrible but you kind of watched it because it had a bit of football in it and it had a few names Jim Rosenthal was in it a lot he was like the gimmick. He'd come to the side. There was a, another fellow who was the commentator. It was a very odd... I think Gus from EastEnders, that's where he started his uh, career. Uh, I don't know if he's even still EastEnders. I don't watch what a, what a breeding ground. Yeah, what a breeding <laughs> ground, yeah. <laughs> Mohammed something his name is. He's an Arsenal fan, if I remember rightly. But yeah. Oh, yes, I know you mean. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably say this a lot through this this chat, but this could be a, another show for you there, Ash, I think. You know, get get the crew back get, together get the cast back together yeah, everybody. you could be like yeah. a you could be like a modern day justin lee collins but without the domestic violence yeah. I, I loved that show that show had so much so legs i've been trying to do a pug wall one do you remember pug wall there's pug a wall, run yeah, yeah, Peter they, Unwin yeah there you go wall. Yeah, yeah yeah the australian you'd have to go to australia mate that, i know was it new zealand me and james delo of uh, of gorilla position fame have been talking about trying to do a pug wall one but that's for another day uh, anyway back to the list uh, this is quite a funny one and yeah i mean we can just laugh alan cork's beard I mean, yeah, it was. Now, didn't yeah. he? Didn't he grow? It won an FA Cup run. Is, is, am I right in thinking? Yeah, it was the yeah for the because of the semi final. That was ninety three, wasn't it? Ninety three, yeah. yeah. And, he grew, and he said he was going to grow it all the way through, and then it, yeah, he grew it. And even though he, he looks very much like Richard from Guess Who, during <laughs> that phase. <laughs> Brilliant. That's it. I can't beat that, so I'm going to move on. Um, I this the last pod we did. Uh, if you guys listened to it, we did wishes, uh, Christmas wishes. Joe was on that one, and this next one is one I wish I'd thought of actually. Um, the life of Riley theme tune being on the match of the day goal of the month because for me that's sacrilegious when they change that. That when I hear that brilliant tune from the Lightning Seed is it's goal of the month, isn't it? Mm. What do they do now? Forgive my. Ignorance. Oh, they mix they, it up with is it, whatever. Is it just a current? Is yeah, I know. Last record? season, last season, they were using a Sophie Ellis Bexter remix, which I quite oh, like. Right. I like my disco stuff, but it just seemed a little bit out of place. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot, to, a lot to be said for tradition. I mean, the BBC particularly love it, don't they? Especially when the FA Cup comes around, they say, "Oh, you know, the tradition of the cup and the draws on a Monday night and all that," which is absolute rubbish, if you ask me, because you've got teams playing at eleven o'clock in the morning and Sunday night yeah. and all that. But, but for someone that loves their tradition so much, particularly BBC and Match of the Day, I'm surprised they ever changed that. Really, this yeah. is an '80s thing. But have you ever heard that horrible remix that they did for one episode of the theme of Match of the Day? I think Ooh, it's no. the 80, yeah. 80, it might be the 87, 88 or 88, 89. Yes. It's yeah. up on YouTube and it like starts off with like, it's really, really horrible, but it's worth going out. They used it for one edition of Match of the Day and the uproar was such that they went back to the original and won't ever dare change that theme again. But Bloody it wasn't Ryan the original theme, that either. It wasn't the original theme of Match of the Day because I don't think Match of the Day had a theme at the beginning. It was just Kenneth Walston home. Yeah, I think he's just going straight to it. The knowledge coming out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, Liverpool versus Arsenal. I think it didn't come in yeah. until about the mid sixties. Definitely sixties. And match yeah. of the day was on BBC Two originally. Kids, there you go. Well, not even on the red button. <laughs> talk about keep it. Yeah. Talk about keep it nineties. You've gone eighties back to sixties. Sixties, seventies, eighties. Yeah. Welcome to. <laughs> I don't even know a sixties reference to to give that. That's a bit before my time. Um. So yeah, life of Riley. And uh, the next one we did talk about on last episode. So I'm not going to say anything other than Barry Davis brilliant should still be on telly so yes we talked he was one of my wishes on the last podcast go back and listen to that as was the next one as well it's like they uh, they listened to that show possibly they did um kits with button up <laughs> collars and laced up collars which i always say bring back the laces so i don't really need to keep going on about how much i love that but the i think matthew you'll appreciate this the most because for me the quintessential laced kit is the newton heath halves that's yeah, a beautiful yeah. kit isn't it it was actually the last ever United kit I bought. Well, um, I was, I was what, 16, 17, something like that. I was getting to the age where it just wasn't acceptable to wear football kits anymore. Although middle-aged men around the country obviously don't heed that advice if you if you look at who goes to football now. But I had mm. that kit. Do you want it? Was, do you want to know the last on. the last kit I bought? Go on. Last year's. <laughs> I always buy kits. <laughs> well, being fair, that was because I was going on. I, I I went on the one show to do the FA Cup draw if we're going to talk about that and one of the requirements was I had to have this season's kit oh, well, so you've, got a, you've got an excuse that's there, a good yeah. excuse yeah so there See, was I, a valid excuse I was 16 or mid 90s I was into indie music and levellers or whatever you know I just thought I, I can't be I can't be seen wearing a, a football kit and I actually went to Mark Hughes's testimonial against Celtic and got drunk and swapped you know what it's like if you go to a testimony, everyone gets all pally with the, the op- opposition fans and these guys are like, hey, do you want to swap shirts, mate? Do you want and I was like, yeah, yeah. So he swapped shirts in the in the Stretford Leisure Centre down the Chester Road. And the guy I swapped my lace-up shirt with was, it must have been a 5XL. So, of course, we swapped shirts and I've got a, <laughs> I've got a Celtic shirt that now look, I look, look like a mid-90s footballer and it's that big. A gust of, wi- <laughs> a gust of wind that I'd take off. So uh, that, classic, that classic kit is now probably in a, covered in Glasgow somewhere I remember Celtic coming to Middlesbrough and it must have been Tony Mowbray's testimonial and us all being and it was at Hesson Park so it must be sort of 92, 93 and he came to us and I just remember going into there's a little park just near where Hesson Park used to be that is called locally the Wreck and going into the Wreck and at like half past nine in the morning and it just being full with Celtic fans having a party like a fan's going out for a testimonial they're they're great for testimonials they're great for testimonials. I mean, that Hughes one, I think they must have brought about 15,000 out for it. And say it was just basically a massive 
massive booze up. So uh, they've done a couple of QPR ones as well. I think they were pre-season friendlies, actually, not testimonials. But yeah, I remember going to a Celtic pre-season friendly, and my some of my friends who claim to be Celtic but aren't really um, came and, uh, and enjoyed their day. And mainly enjoyed the, the ride more than the terrible football game. Um, back to the, the list, then. Just actually, just quickly on on middle-aged men wearing football shirts. I've got no problem with it because I. I always buy kits, but not that I wear them very much, but I always buy them. What I don't like is them getting their favourite player on the back. Come on. Mm. Retro it's player, just, maybe, but not, you know, like, he's yeah. my favourite player. Oh, yeah, Gerard. It, it, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit much when you're kicking 40 and you've got the name of some sprightly 21-year-old yeah. winger on your yeah. back. Like, you're not going to emulate him. <laughs> exactly. Grow up, really. You're not going to emulate him. No, I'm, I'm not having that. We did get, um, he's another television show, but obviously we went on Soccer AM. A couple of years ago, and it was just after Alistair Brownlee had died. So I remember, we all got yeah. name on our backs. Oh, well, that, so that makes was, sense. Yeah, for a reason. Yeah, that was for a reason. Yeah, but uh, no, I don't think it's very becoming unless you've got a goalkeeper shirt on yeah. and they've got the name of your fat keeper on the back. Otherwise, no, you if can't. If it's a joke or a retro something. reference, I don't mind. It's when they've just plainly gone. Oh, I love Alexis Sanchez. Well, you won't in the moment, but anyway. <laughs> although, I don't. Although I don't agree with uh, we. Eight, oh, that's terrible whoever. as well. Yeah, you know, I hate that. That's rubbish. Yeah, we, uh, you know, you know the other one. Rubbish. The other one I don't like, and you, you mentioned retro. There is is when people have best seven or Dalglish oh, seven yeah. on the back. I think that, that you can't do that. You know, they didn't have the name on the back. I know it's really fussy, and people probably no. And best wore small know. numbers anyway. He wore ten. Well, or yeah, eight, well, yeah, eleven, eight. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. but it's, you know, I see people best seven or whoever. You know, Dalglish or Rush nine, or, and I think, come on, mate, you know. You didn't wear that, so but then that's me just being overly picky, I suppose. We are being very grumpy no, already, aren't we? <laughs> right, I agree. we're going to get back to the list because we were down twenty minutes and we're only on eight. <laughs> so um, this one, this is a name we haven't mentioned on the podcast, called, mainly because I don't associate him with the nineties, but it was very much at the end, and that's uh, Andrei Shevchenko and Sergei Rebrov, who the brilliant partnership they had both in the early nineties and then um, with, with Shevchenko, and then later on when uh, they played Arsenal at Wembley, if I remember rightly, and they uh, they decimated them in the uh, Champions League. So yeah, they're two names that we we haven't mentioned much. Obviously, Rebrov went on to play for Spurs, not very well, and then we later Shevchenko at Chelsea didn't really quite work out. So their partnership at Dinamo Kiev, who were a big name in the 90s is mentioned um the next one football italia i'm not going to go big on this because we are going to do a show on football italia um, we've got james richardson coming on the show to talk to us about it which will be fantastic um but just quickly from these two guys uh, just a quick mention what are your memories of, of football italia on a sunday coming to you first matthew yeah well it was also the saturday morning as well wasn't yeah it? The, the gazetta show um I just remember watching Kabaddi before or after that on a, on Kibaddy, a, Kibaddy, Kibaddy, on a Saturday. Kabaddi, uh, great game. Uh, um, yeah, that on a Saturday morning, and then you'd have, obviously have the live game on a Sunday, and it just captured everyone's imagination. For, for my our sort of age group, you know, we hadn't really watched foreign football no. at, at all. You know, it seems strange now, but you just didn't ever watch games involving foreign teams and if you if, if a european game came up that was the only time you ever saw milan or barcelona or what have you and then suddenly you had one live game a week plus a, a roundup show and it was it was great i mean you found yourself getting involved in it even if you didn't really care or you weren't that interested but it was almost you just had to get involved in it because it was everyone suddenly had a second team didn't they a, a second italian team whether it's lazio because of gaza or, or or whatever but um over time i think if you asked a 60 have you told a 16 year old now how what a huge thing it would be uh, they would be amazed because obviously now you can pretty much watch every game anywhere there is imaginable but yeah. but for, for us back then it was such a it was such a groundbreaking thing and um still still the music and everything i mean if you watch an episode now it's still great it's great it was just done really well it was that that sort of 
punkish football period, wasn't it? In, in the mid nineties, where it was trendy, but it was it was it was just done well. It wasn't it wasn't cheesy. It was informative, and they had Kenneth Wilson Wilson home doing doing the voiceover. Remember, and um, obviously James Richardson. But no, good, great show, really. Um, and, of its time hmm. couldn't do it now obviously because it's just we see it all anyway don't we on yeah. bt and it is, Sky uh, and it's everything. coming back as a podcast i know that much um uh, the guys at totally yeah, football they're doing a podcast called basically they're even using goal oh, that's so as the theme tune so joel you're a tv man of the 90s as well i mean quick word on football italia for you but what, you know what i what i always remember is i think there was a, a title decider going down on the last day of the season and um i think whatever wwf I don't know how saying they made the announcement you know oh, the wrestling's being delayed while we finish this game at the San Zero or whatever it was and they went do you, do you like the wrestling uh, Don and no I don't I've never seen anything so stupid <laughs> so that's my overriding uh, my overriding memory of uh uh, football Italia is Don Howe getting really upset about wrestling no. <laughs> Don Howe's not a fan um, going back to the list Croatia um, they're, they're mentioned next in this 90 things I love about the 90s I mean it gives me a chance to say how much I one of my favourite players of the 90s um, Davos Suka absolutely mm-hmm. one of the great uh, it never really gets mentioned and I, I just think he was I was so obsessed with him in that Euro 96 period I think because period. he didn't have a particularly good time at Arsenal yeah. or West Ham did yeah. he but, and he's one of them, almost like Shevchenko, is, is because they, they were coming to the end of their careers in this country, perhaps, they don't get thought of in the same way as if we'd seen them, if, you know, at the point when they were world beaters, I suppose. But they had players, not just Suka, I mean, you remember the goal at Euro 96, the chip, and then what he did for Real Madrid as well, but you had people like Boban and Igor Szymak and Slavin Bilic, of course, Prozaneski, who was absolutely brilliant when he came to Portsmouth. Uh, I mean, Matthew, that France 98, between 96 and 98, that Croatia team, they were everyone's kind of favourite second team, weren't they, for that period? They were, yeah. I mean, I was thinking more Euro 96, and Mm. that was what first came to mind when you mentioned them. Yeah, the first all the kit. I mean, what yeah. a great kit. I was going to say that yeah. a lot. We'd of never kit with yeah. The yeah. yeah, I mean, we'd never seen anything like that before. Obviously, Croatia weren't didn't exist three or four years before that. Remember, mm. so because of Yugoslavia, so we did, didn't really know who these guys were, and it was like, what's who's this team in a Czech red and white Czech kit? Obviously, came from from the flag, but um, yeah, great great team to watch. And like they say, Euro '96 it was almost like they were, everyone obviously was behind England, but it was like that was the team you wanted to do well, just because just the way they played, they were. Sort of maverick style, weren't they? And uh, didn't they get to the semi-final in Euro '96? Quarter finals was it? They, they, they did quite well, didn't they? They did quite well, and in, and France '98 they beat yeah. Ge- they beat Germany as well, three 0 and yeah. da- Davo Suka was top scorer for France '98 as well. Which, we, considering the, Ronaldo was in that tournament, is quite a mean yeah. feat. But um, they're one of those teams that, because of what they did in the sort of mid '90s, for people of a certain age group, even whenever you go into a tournament now, you still think of Croatia. It's always they were always the dark horses, weren't they? It was always oh, Croatia, the dark horses of this tournament. And even if they're terrible, you still think, oh, you never know, Croatia could could pull something off here, mm-hmm. purely because of what they did sort of in that in that mid '90s, late '90s um, period. I think so. Mm-hmm. Fond memories for. For the kit, if nothing else. I think. Oh, it's a great kit. Or every kit they've ever done, actually. Even though it's a really hard pattern to keep repeating, they do it well. Another great yeah. team next to Croatia on this feature is Parma. I mean, again, we haven't talked a lot about Italian football on this show because we are going to do specials, as I said. But Parma were really the team. They're t- kind of two different teams, didn't they, in the nineties? You kind of had the mid to, to early to mid with Zola and Espria and Thomas Brolin. Then later on in the decade, when you had Cannavaro and Hernan Crespo. I mean, Parma aren't what they were, but for us in the nineties, Joe. I mean, Parma were a bloody brilliant team, weren't they? 
Yeah, I think didn't they win more European trophies than anybody? Where am I pulling that back from? No, I think because they, they probably from probably the lesser from two cups, article. didn't they? The UEFA or the Cup Winners' Cup? They won. A, they won those a lot, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just and they were, they were sort of seen as being a team that came from nowhere as well. In fact, you know, because I always remember um, shoehorning in a Middlesbrough reference, but I I know that that was how um, Brian Robson sold Borough to. Uh, Ravenelli as they wanted to emulate Palmer, they wanted to be this team that had almost come from nowhere, that hadn't really had much attention uh, and wanted to do well and use that as a springboard to continue, you know I mean, I don't even know, what league are they in now? Are they in Serie A? No, I don't I think don't they are, no, I think they're in Serie no. B, yeah Yeah. So, yeah, they just say more more trophies than any other team, when you consider the amount of Italian talent teams, like Inter Milan AC Milan, you know, Fiorentina with Gabriel Battistuta, the, the fact that Palmer won more European trophies than them is, is quite astounding. Um, going back to our little list um to mary conspires angry celebration there's a there's a classic moment uh, for everyone i mean the guy went mental didn't he that was one of yeah. one of those famous celebrations kicking the advertising board and everything like that it really went off the deep end um shampoo ads with janola and this is something we've mentioned before Joe, haven't we we talked about jason mcateer jason yeah McAteer. jason mcateer yeah washing up yeah that was, that was the mcateer advert yeah mcateer uh, you know what? I thought I saw him walking through town. Obviously, I live in the central Liverpool. And I thought I saw McAteer walking towards me the other day. It wasn't him, but I was thinking I'm going to have to mention that ad if I see him. He'd probably, <laughs> he'd have probably, he'd have probably told me where to go if I had. But I, he does have lots of business interests in Liverpool because I know that he's um, one of Mr. Simon Rimmer's partners in his. Oh, really? And all oh, that. I didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah, 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 I didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah. Obviously, Stri- I've worked with Simon for a long time. Yeah, strictly Simon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, oh, he's a good lad. Uh, but yeah, he's, can't he's dance, a but yeah. in, he can't dance, but yeah. He can't dance for Toffee, but you know, he's got a bad name. Uh, well, shouldn't have done Strictly then. Come on, it's a proper competition. Yeah. He had a wonderful time. Yeah, I bet he did with Karen Howard. Um, so yeah, Janola was <laughs> jo, Janola was the other one, of course, uh, that they mentioned in here, but there were plenty more. I mean, Jason McAteer, as we mentioned, go back and listen to the adverts that we did, the advert show me and Joel did. Um, very odd choice for an advert. Uh, Matt, well, he was a, he was a pin-up boy at the time. He yeah. sparked the Spice oh, yeah. Boys and all that business. He had the hair, I suppose. Um, Madcap yeah. Playoff Finals is the next one. Uh, we talked a lot. We did a whole show on the Playoff Finals at the back end of last season, and we mentioned how crazy uh, the Playoff Finals were there, but there were always lots of goals involved in the game. So, yeah, go back, listen to them. And uh, next one, I'm going to turn to Matthew, because the Anglo-Italian Cup is... You're somewhat of an expert on this uh, <laughs> this tournament, because you did an article for the Football Pink, if I remember rightly, wasn't it? Yeah, I did, yeah. Talk I've done a couple to us. of pieces on that, actually. I, yeah. I feel like someone grilling me on uh, a subject I've... At school, you know, when people say, "Oh, you're good at this, aren't you?" Yeah. Well, just just but brief us on this random tournament that that pitched Serie B and uh, the, the English League yeah. Cup. Well, well, it started off in the late '60s. Um, who was it? Uh, Swindon won the League Cup, beat Arsenal in '68, '69, was it? But back then, unless you're in the top division, you couldn't play in Europe. And obviously, Swindon should have gone into the, the Fairs Cup, I think it was at the time. So they basically concocted a tournament to allow Swindon to go and they played an Italian Cup winner of the same sort of calibre in basically a glorified charity shield between an English team and an Italian team. And it and it, it was a huge success. And um, I suppose at the time it was quite glamorous to play foreign opposition and, and what have you. And then over the years in the 70s, they, they sort of kept pushing it and they started off with group sort of a round robin tournament with four english teams four uh, italian teams and then it, and it just progressed and progressed and it had about three or four different incarnations because it it ran its cause at the end of the 70s or the mid 70s they there was a lot of crowd trouble and fans were basically using it as a playground for going abroad and 
kicking lumps out of each other, you know, as, as people did in the 70s. Um, it was the norm. Um, so it, it phased out. Then it came back in the 80s as purely a non-league incarnation. Uh, Wimbledon were in it and uh, Sutton, I think, were in it. And, uh, and then they brought it back again in the 90s, I think probably on the back of... No the, European the, football, the, yeah. Well, no, yeah, no European football and the sort of love affair for with um, Italian football mm. with the aforementioned... Uh, Gazetta and uh, that kind of thing. So it, it gave lower division clubs that opportunity to, to play abroad, which they wouldn't have normally done. But I think as the 90, 90s progressed and the Premier League became the big thing, and then obviously the Champions League, it just it was showing up for what it was worth um, in the end. But I mean, people knock it. But when I did a lot of the research for that article, people, I think John Burridge won it for I can't remember who he was playing for. I think Black Notts County. Won it, or was it? Notts County. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think. He won it right at the beginning of his Paul career. He, st- yeah. he, st- he still says it was one of the highlights of his career. Yeah. I mean, Swindon, some of the results were incredible. I mean, Swindon went away to uh, Milan or uh, Lazio, I think, and won 4 0. I mean, that's all off the top of my head. But when you read it, you think it's easy to, mo- to mock because we remember it from the mid early 90s when it was. I, all I remember is Notts County being in it. I think they, they were in it a lot. Really, yeah. They? Yeah. And, uh, but it, it, I think that tail end of it that we remember was a bit of a, a joke. But if you go back into the history of it in, in the 60s and 70s there are a lot of people said it was a it was a big deal so it's just a sign of the times i think now it's it wouldn't happen now at all because people you, mean, you see what happens with the league cup and the fa cup and you imagine telling people they've got to fly down to <laughs> pisa or somewhere for a... oh jose marino would love it wouldn't he well he wouldn't be yeah. in it but yeah no a very odd um it's like the zenith data systems cup again in some ways mentioned yeah. which isn't mentioned in this article but yeah it's another one of those random 90s competitions yeah. um next wembley fa cup semi-finals being a novelty i mean we talked again that was one of my wishes on the last podcast that, that they don't do them anymore but 93 was the first time they did them and yeah. before now it's the norm which is a, a Stupid, stupid thing. It was actually ninety one, wasn't it? it wasn't Tottenham Arsenal? Oh, of course, they did sorry, the one yeah, off. The Gaza yeah, free yeah, kick. Of course, yeah, that the Gaza, yeah, the one that bust the net, the one that is quoted in uh, Fever Pitch as saying, uh, Nick Hornby saying it's the most magnificent thing he's ever seen, but he wished with all his heart that he had never seen it. Mm, good quote. <laughs> he's he's back on Twitter, Gaza, in a big way. He's he's yeah, all over. Yeah, yeah. I need to get him on the show. Um, the, he got his t- he got his six straight away. Uh, well, he is Paul Gascoigne. I know you've well, got to be, in a, yeah. be in a bot about him, but you know we love him on here. Um, Fred Davis is, is a story I wasn't aware of on aware of aware of on this, and I've read up on that. So it was a, a Shrewsbury um, ball boy who, who caused some harm to, to the mascot or something like that. It's a story that I'm not completely aware with, but that was uh, in the article. Um, Chesterfield and Stockport Cup runs. Now I think we've got an expert on this on the line as well. I mean, obviously we talked a lot about Chesterfields, but people forget the Stockport one, don't they, Joe? Uh, yeah, I mean that was they were both. The um, was twenty second birthday or something, and she'd also got engaged on that day, and we went to the match. And, uh, Stockport beat us one nil in in the leg out place, but we'd already won two nil at their place. But yeah, I think we we might have bought Alan Armstrong from them just after that as well, or somewhere around that time. Uh, so yeah, they. Were, I mean, obviously, we'd never thought anything of Stockport County until we played them in in the semis that following year. Um, but yeah, um, wild for both of them. And and you know, and I can say this now, twenty odd years on, Chesterfield was completely robbed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And now it, you know, and they couldn't have done any worse than letting in a goal after forty two seconds in the cup final. You know, if they if they had got there. So yeah. 
Yeah. Now, Stockport, though, actually knocked QPR out in the third round of the FA Cup, which obviously yeah. now is, is who, nothing who new. Has... Yeah, now is nothing new. But in 1990, <laughs> oh, what, what's 98, I think, because that was the. I can't remember whether it was the first time. I think the first time we got to the League Cup final, I think we beat Liverpool. It's all getting a bit hazy. Yeah. Oh, no, well, you, can't. Yeah. No, the FA Cup yeah. was, was asked was Stockport. I, I remember wearing the red CSF kit, so that would be 93, 94. And I, would, and I didn't want to go in school the next day. Much was the mocking that I would get because we were a decent yeah. team that actually won Cup games in the early 90s. Then 96 hit and we haven't won one since, but that's neither here or there. Um, going back <laughs> to the list, uh, Bulgaria are next up. I mean, they're a team we have mentioned during our World Cup 94 review. Um, they were kind of you know led by Georgie Hadji. A fantastic team. weren't very expected much of them. They, uh, as it says in this article, that they uh, they had a terrible record going into USA '94, and then a, a win, a four-nil win uh, over uh, um, uh, who was it? Um, victories followed by Mexico, of course. Sorry. Um, and then they became this team of World Cup USA United. They knocked Germany out. Jordan Lenchkos header. Uh, yeah, you know Georgie Hagi leading them. There was. The, the guy with the long hair as well um, is it was one of just a, a great team of, of that of that era wasn't it Matthew yeah yeah well Bobby Mihailov in goal who had the famously wore a wig didn't he or am I not supposed to say that <laughs> didn't he did you remember he, he was bald yeah. one, one game and then he uh, appeared and Ball he had a full head of hair so yeah uh, yeah, yeah great Very odd. great team a bit a bit like Croatia of the time when it was just one of those teams that um, everyone sort of got behind them just because they were plucky and they were, I mean I remember Bulgaria going back the sort of eighties, and they were just just one of those whipping boy teams that that never appeared in any kind of competition. And then suddenly, in, the, in USA '94, they were. Did they get to the quarterfinals, semi-final? They were. I think they, the semis. I think the semis, semis didn't yeah. they? Didn't they? Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. I suppose these things all come around, don't they? Eventually, your teams that you know are terrible suddenly. You could say it with England in twenty years. You never know, but um, but, um, but no, Bulgaria, yeah, great team and some some great. Great players, didn't yeah. they? Individually, uh, club players as well, not just as a team, but they they um, had some some good stars of that that era. Mm. I, Ivanov, that's the guy with the hair. I couldn't remember his name, but he's always pictured in those dodgy mullet articles. But yeah, he had the he had the chops. <laughs> he had the old Seth from Emmerdale chops and the long long mullet as well. <laughs> Mister No Amos had the chops. Amos, oh, really? was Amos was yeah. it? Oh, okay. I'm not an Emmerdale person, aren't you? So bad reference. Um, Deportivo La Coruña. There's a name that we definitely haven't mentioned on the on the podcast before. But they were especially in the early, the late '90s. They were kind of the flavour of the month in Spain, weren't they? When Real Madrid were going through uh, some not so better times as, as they were. They won the, eventually won the league in, in 2000, but they were a, a good cup team um, in Spain during that period. Um, looking back, um, one team in talent is the next one. This is a story that we, we covered on the on the, the Twitter feed. It's the story of Estonia not turning up uh, for a qualifier against Scotland and Scotland literally kicking off a match against nobody else <laughs> in an empty stadium and getting the three points, which, you know, in these days, I think Scotland would take with the, with the bite your hand off because they haven't uh, qualified <laughs> for a competition since 1998. Um, but it's one of those funny 90s stories uh, Renny Aguita is on the list which again I don't think we've mentioned a lot about Renny Aguita but I mean what more can you say um, um, let's quickly just talk about that old memorable moment the two kind of moments aren't they They're his performances at Italia 90 and then the scorpion kick at Wembley in 1995 but it was an era for crazy goalkeepers wasn't it Joel and then Renny Aguita was right up there with them I think he was right at the top wasn't he yeah mm. um, and it wasn't he, the ball was out of play anyway when he did the scorpion kick that's why he was showing off like that goodness me um, but yeah also he wore lots of wacky tops yeah. I remember Higgy another one, another member of the goalkeeper wacky top thing and uh, hair very much like Emerson the uh, curly soul glow which I can't say much about at the moment but there we are <laughs> he looked jogging pants not, as well 
Yeah. Yeah, something you don't see very often. That's mm. something else I was talking about the other week is you don't see keepers in jogging bottoms anymore, do you? Yeah. Was so. it, what was the Palace keeper, Karaye? He used to wear some horrible yeah. ones, didn't he? Um, yeah. Lucas A water bottles is a random thing to on this list because I think you still get them. I know they were a different shape and a different size in the 90s, but I don't. it's not something I immediately think of when I think of 90s, Lucas A no. bottles. I think they just got booted around a lot. I think, yeah. you know, I think occasionally you'll see managers hoofing them off somewhere. Yeah, it's more the John Barnes advert I think of when I think of 90s mm-hmm. and Lucas Aid. Yeah. Um, genuinely exotic signings. I think we can talk, you know, I think Joel knows all about that. But as we were saying earlier, <laughs> Matthew, that you didn't see all the football, did you? So when players were signed, I mean, the, the reference here is Mark Hottiger. There's a name from the mm. 90s, but you didn't hear of these players because you didn't know who they were because we didn't see all this football. So in the 90s, it was still a surprise when these, these random foreigners turned up, even guys like Emerson, we you know you know of them, but it was now you know everything about them. But back in them days, they were genuine surprise exotic signings. Um, blonde dye jobs—that's definitely something from the nineties. I know Riyad Maris is doing it at the moment at Leicester, but um, you know Fowler, Gaza, the Romania team. And Joe, was that something you ever tried? The old bleach blonde hair? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I've got a picture of it somewhere. Oh, I'll that. try to find it. It looks really weird. I bet it looks weird. Yeah, Math- I'm about Matthew was that one? year old with ridiculous. No, I never had the. Uh, I'm showing my age now. I never had the classic '90s sort of bowl bleached look. I did have the '80s highlight oh. uh, blonde highlights when I was about right, ten. Well. So that <laughs> the real, yeah, the Duran Duran look. But um, no, I never had the. Uh, I never had the, the classic 90s look. I remember a couple of mates trying it. I remember a couple of mates coming around to my house with, you know, saying, oh, I've got this bleach kit. Can you can you help me uh, do it? And I go, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. You know, a few beers. And then you'd, you'd obviously pile this bleach on the head and go, no, a bit more, a bit more. You know, leave it on for another hour. And then, yeah, uh, I really burnt my head. I've, I yeah, can still the, feel the scars now. I really, you think, really badly burnt my scars. Because you th- you think it's doing nothing. You look at it, give it another 10 minutes, give it another 10 minutes. And then they'd, <laughs> they'd inevitably go in the bathroom, go and wash it off. And you'd hear this screech when they looked in the mirror. And, uh, <laughs> Cause uh, if you did it, you did it yourself. It never really, it would go a horrible kind of yellowy color. Wouldn't it? It would, uh, you'd end up looking like Hawk out of Buck Rogers or whatever it was. You know, it just never, unless you had it done properly with the, the, the shower cap and all that kind of stuff. It just, oh, I kind of want to go back and, and do it. Cause I, I don't think I've ever had a, well, <laughs> I had a dodgy haircut cut one that looks like Frank Ribery. I had stupidly tram lines put in my head, but I never went for the bleach blonde. Um, I want to kind of go back and experience that nineties. I did have, I'm missing out one. I'll go back, but the, one of the, the next one on the list, but one is curtains. They are something that I always try to grow. My hair doesn't grow like that. It grows outwards rather than down. So I always try to get curtains. Ian Walker is the picture, and I think Ian Walker's still got curtains even in 2018. <laughs> um, but they were. And, very... Anderson hasn't Darren Anderson as well. Kind of, yeah. Imagining no, yeah. I think he has. I think yeah. yeah. I, Ian Walker for sure. And I saw him not that long yeah. ago, and I was like, dude, I appreciate you're still rocking the curtains. <laughs> he's very much. 90... I could never do it. I had these two little ones at the front of my head it looks ridiculous um the one before that on the list is actually hair as well and that's jason lee's pineapple i'm sure you didn't try that one joe i don't think you quite have the uh, the follicles no, to I've do not that got, do you? Not got no. The, uh, no i i can't quite do that no, no. sorry the, obviously famous from the fancy the interesting football. thing i think we might have yeah which Sorry, he didn't take, that. which he didn't take too kindly to either. No, well, he blamed his form on that, didn't he? He blamed, he yeah. blamed his form on the uh, the mocking from Badil and Skinner. So whether or not he just used that as an excuse, and he was just a pre-pants footballer, he's neither here or there. Um, Mitre football is um, is something. The Mitre Ultimax, of course, yeah, that's, that's a very symbol. of The nineties Mitre are still used in the football league, of course, but that Mitre Pep Guardiola doesn't like him much. No, he doesn't, does he? No. He'll be moaning about something, isn't he? I don't think he really needs to moan about anything right now, old Pep. Um, Cans of Coke is the next one, and it's about uh, referenced 
something that I always put on the Twitter feed that always gets great response and it's the, the adverts they had in the mid-90s when Coca-Cola sponsored the League Cup when it was the Coca-Cola Cup and you had the two cans of Coke and they were decorated in the team's colours the Newton Heath half actually as we mentioned yeah earlier. yeah um, the pictures are in the book Fourth Two actually got in touch with me and wanted to use those pictures but I, I couldn't allow them because I got them straight from Coca-Cola when I did the book so I did give them my contact they're not in the magazine so obviously they didn't work it out but if you ever want to see those pictures uh, buy the Alive and Kicking book but it was a great way I always remember flicking <laughs> through the newspaper and seeing them down the side it was a great little easy way of, of making light I think they definitely did it for 94 which was Villa Man United um, yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then 95 Liverpool Bolton so I don't know definitely those two they may have done it another season but it was definitely for those two um going to the next one FIFA indoor mode this is one for for the gamers out there um FIFA is obviously the biggest game in the world it spanned loads of YouTubers and everything but back in the 90s it was still in his infancy but at the end of the decade FIFA 99 I believe had an indoor mode that the, that's never really gone back to so you had the, the ball that would hit the back of the, uh, the the side and come back again you had the no head high and all that so that's always an interesting thing that they could always bring back into FIFA they of course they did FIFA Street as well which was kind of kind of the same thing uh, League Ladders um, these aren't 90s um, no, I argue that's no. well. Yeah. Well, 60s, we still seventies, eighties, two thousand, two thousands. We today. we do them now at Kick Magazine. I think they're, yeah. they're not quintessential. Obviously, we all oh. remember growing up doing them for whatever era we were in. But Shoot Match did them from, like you say, from the early sort of whenever the match came in the seventies. So they must have started yeah. at that point. I think. I think four four two. If they were here, would defend themselves by saying they were league ladders in the nineteen nineties. But obviously, they weren't. I would say they're not the exclusive 90s thing by any means, are they? No, because I certainly remember them from before that. No, I'd agree. Mm, no, I think they used to even just come in like newspapers or something like that. But I mean, I, I remember yeah. there were different shapes in the 90s. Match were always, I remember, had the pointy with ones that slot in. They were the first one yeah. that did the slots. Yeah. And, and you never used them, did you? Let's be honest. No one ever. You did put them all together for the first two weeks. Week, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then, then they'd all get knocked over on the floor and your dad would come in and hoover them up or whatever and you'd... Unless, you're with, unless you've got kids of Kick Magazine and you want, they will use them <laughs> next August when they're in the magazine. Go and get your league ladders. Um, Sensible World of Soccer is obviously a, a, another gamers one. There, it's one of the from the early nineties. It kind of started everything. Um, you guys remember Sensible World of Soccer? Is that a game that you guys would have uh, got involved in? Wasted many hours on it, and I'm still a fan of the Regen name. Oh. I, I remember having a Nicky Ravanelli play for me at Middlesbrough. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, great. Uh, one other great game as well is on the next one. The music in Premier Manager 97. I think we always have that with the soundtracks to game. I admit that one isn't what I remember. France 98, the, the, the FIFA yeah, game. FIFA, is, yeah. Is the one I remember that had um, Chumba Blur Wamba and Blur Song 2 on it as well. Yeah. So, But I, I get where they're coming from with that. Um, Zamorano's 1 plus 8 shirt. That's something we've mentioned in passing before because when Inter Milan signed Ronaldo uh, during that era, he was already wearing the number 9 shirt and Ronaldo won wanted it as part of the deal so he was given the one plus eight shirt which is uh something very 90s something i don't think they get away with now they'd probably just do 99 or something ridiculous like that to see some of the squad numbers uh <laughs> that go uh, around these days um obviously now, you know you know that les Ferdinand tried to get 99 he did yeah he did yeah when when Shearer uh, signed and he wouldn't have it, so he just ended up with Lee Clark's 10. Which is more than adequate, and, and although he is Sir Les, so he should have damn well got what he wanted. Um, <laughs> Fernando Redondo, there's a random one that they've put in here. Um, he's a, To me, he's a bit of a hipster pick, um, and I remember him for getting in trouble at ESO 94 because he wouldn't cut his hair. Um, but other than that, I haven't really got great memories. I think he's more in the 2000s for me, Redondo. I don't know about you guys. 
No, yeah, <laughs> move on. I yeah, can't, no, couldn't say any. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a hipster pick that one. Um, not this one though. I mean, if we were talking about '90s quintessential players, um, Roberto Baggio. I mean, he's someone we need to mention more. Um, we've been in discussions with Matthew himself about doing um, some player in you know, theme shows. He's definitely one um, that we will do. Let's have a couple of quick memories from these guys uh, about the great Roberto Baggio. Joel, coming to you first. Oh, it's obviously the bad one, though. The no, penalty. don't the bad one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing that springs in my mind. My head has now gone blank thinking about anything else. Although, our good friend Sid Lambert has today posted a picture of... Uh, King of the Roberto Twitter. Baggio on, ...on the Twitter with a wonderful, wonderful wet-look gel going on. Yeah, I did so see that. Yeah, yeah, he, did look, he did look a bit sexy in that picture. Matthew, um, mm. any, any yeah, other... No. No, I'm going to have to stick with the, the bad memories because per, purely a personal reason, I had a tenor on Italy to win the World Cup in '94, mm. and obviously he cost me. Oh, uh, probably, yeah, I think I think they're I think they're about six. Well, they were about six to one at the time. I think so. We should go around and get it off him. Yeah, yeah. let's do uh, it and I, as and a I, plan. Uh, and you just knew he was going to miss as well, didn't you? And uh, no, I've still never, never forgiven him for that. Sixty quid when you were what? 18 years of age, that's, that's a lot of money. So, um, They'd buy you yeah. a few pints back in them days. It would. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give him one brilliant memory, and that's Italia 90, the goal against Czechoslovakia. It's a friend of the show, Paddy O'Sullivan. It's one of his favourite goals of all time. But yeah, yeah. And, the, and his performances later in the decade as well, when they thought he was past it for Bologna, and I think he got a career best of sort of over 20 goals in, in Serie A. So yeah, absolutely. The divine ponytail, Roberto Baggio. Um, we'll do a few more. We're nearly at the halfway point, um, and we'll go to an interview, and we'll try and skim a few a bit of these. And the next one is that I think we've mentioned, Joe, with this before, and that's player managers i think we did that on some <laughs> show didn't we well i think it's, i think it's i think there's that wonderful uh picture it's of illustrated course. by in the magazine mm. you know the, the one that we must mention every week <laughs> um brian robson in yeah. in the top half of a manager in the bottom half of a player with no shoes it's, the, it's, um, it's, it's such a great picture it's, it's just it's I, know, I know you i know you don't like to date the podcast Ash, but it was actually his birthday yesterday i know and i posted that picture oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, is he 60 is he just 61. 60 61 I did do that's, it wrong I got too overexcited that's scary I know I don't like Brian Robson being 61 that makes me feel Brian incredibly Robson's is. got his own bus pass but yeah I mean we, I think we mentioned player managers before when we were on another show but it's something very 90s that's not really been carried over you had Peter Reid you had Glenn Hoddle and Rud Hellett at Chelsea yeah. it's, it's just something you don't see very much anymore I don't know if the, it's become a manager has become too big of a role to include a player I, as well it's, I think you've got I to think do people your badges don't, haven't you yeah, yeah. And, and the badges as well I don't think people want to take the risk now, you know, it's almost like, because the old days of the player manager was a player would come to the end of their career and then they would sort of be parachuted in as a player manager, wouldn't they? And I just don't know whether players are prepared to take that risk now. I don't they know. Tended I, to go to, they tended to go to lower yeah. league. Yeah. Like Chelsea as well, didn't they? A lot of the time, you didn't get put into the top division. Yeah. I did a, I did, actually did a piece on this a while ago and I came to the conclusion that the modern day player manager is your player like, uh, Conte or Klopp or uh, Guardiola, not literally a player manager, but a player that kicks every ball and lives yeah. every moment, and no, then it, that's good. almost become that's almost become the the new player manager, isn't it? Without you know, not literally, but they're, they're, that's what they are. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Tony Barrett is the next one. I mean, 
you, you can all just talk about his two two of the great goals. I mean, he scored some great goals, but everyone remembers the Liverpool goal and the the Wimbledon power effort um, from the from 95, 90, uh, 96 season. Um, I remember they were on, a, on the inside of the bar, which is always very satisfying. Oh, yeah, it makes a great noise. I remember it being on a ballistic video from Sky Sports as well. It was on the front cover of that VHS. But yeah, Tony Uba, cult hero at Ellen Road. Um, Cup Winners Cup is mentioned. Um, it's something we did a when we did our European show. We it was called Bring Back the Cup Winners Cup, and it's still something I think. Could, has a place in the modern day and would actually give more of a feel to Thursday night football than you've got at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Jack I- Jack Chatwood's Ireland. There's something we haven't mentioned. I mean, we covered Ireland in 1990 and 94 shows, but obviously they were a great team at the time, some great players. Not necessarily all of them actually Irish, um, it has to be said, but they were a, a good spirited bunch of, of, of players, what the likes of that Ray Houghton, Andy Townsend, and and the likes of so and also Paul McGrath, and then later Roy Keane. So yeah, they were. They, Tony they were, Cascarino certainly wasn't Irish. No, exactly. No. And and Tony Cascarino admits it in his autobiography, which is one of the best football books you can ever hope to read. Yes, you can get all is, the yeah. Tony Cascarino's book. It's absolutely incredible. But he does talk about like not Irish. We just sort of made it up. Essentially, he went my family are Italian. <laughs> Like, and he got however many caps it was out of it because wow. he certainly wasn't turning out for Italy. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, another crazy keeper is mentioned next is uh, Shaliver, the Chilean, who uh, who was renowned for scoring free kicks and penalties. Had a great goal scoring record. Um, um, was it for Paraguay, wasn't it? Not Chile, yeah, Paraguay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. Um, Joey Josie Luis Shaliver, and he also wore crazy baggy shirts as well. Again, as we mentioned, it was the era of crazy goalkeepers, and he was another one. A great goal scoring record. Um, club call. I'm sure that's something we've mentioned before isn't it Joe club call oh, 48 pence a minute on peak <laughs> yeah. 35 minutes off peak yeah 45 pence a minute off peak yeah it always yeah. reminds me of that Simpsons gag where Homer phones up to get uh, American football tips and it goes in the game between Sin Cincinnati Sin <laughs> Cincinnati Nads Cincinnati T because that's how everything went on those things it was just rolling out the smallest bit of tatty nothing gossip for about 10 12 minutes so you're paying six quid to get this you know we signed somebody on loan from swindon or yeah. something and it used to be on the bottom of teletext didn't it the t's you yeah. used to get it on the bottom of like, mm. oh we've got to do that yeah so i remember i still i still remember oh eight nine eight twelve eleven sixty one that oh. was the united club <laughs> call number and they, they must have been gutted when the internet came along mustn't they because that was well, your only I'll, source of information yeah. i remember listening mm. i remember listening to Pre-season friendlies and transfer news, and I mean, no wonder they must have cleaned up. Whoever was behind them at the time must have cleaned up. Yeah. I, think I remember a website. Yeah, they're still yeah. A, they're still a brand. Yeah, it's but it's not very good. But it, and then was it ever? They were kind of a, just as you said, you spent a lot of money hearing about some random news that didn't matter. Uh, the old firm having big stars again. This is a show we're going definitely to do. Um, talk about Stoke and Rangers because we haven't done a lot on them. But when you talk about the guys like Pierre Van Hoydoink, Gaza, Laudrup, Henrik Larsson, Viduka, compare it to the the state of the Scottish league now. Very very different in the nineteen nineties. Uh, the next one is uh, somebody on Twitter who always mentions this guy MCFC shirts Georgie King Cladsey. Um, not no no Janino. Let's be honest, but he had no, his, just about to say, that was going to be my line. Poor man's Janino. He had these moments and probably not as many. Everyone remembers that goal. Was it against Southampton at Main Yeah, Road? great, great goal. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but he didn't have as many major moments and not for a, a longer period as someone like Janino. But a, a fan, still a fantastic player. Uh, another fantastic player. We'll end this half on is Steve Ball, who famously played for Wolves in the nineties, scored a glut full of goals for them and made the England squad despite the fact that he never played in the top flight which is something that's 
pretty much unheard of. I don't think uh, was Dave Nugent the last person to do that. Um, Maybe I remember Merson doing it for us, but that was in nineteen. Yeah, Jay Bothroy did it when he was a Cardiff before he uh, decided to come to QPR and not be the same player. Um, but yeah, it doesn't happen very often anymore. But Steve Ball, I mean, I remember him scoring on his debut. Uh, I think it was against Scotland, um, but he was a, a great, great yeah. striker. Um, well, that we've gone to the halfway point and we've done a lot already. So um, let's go to today's interview. Um, he is somebody who probably he wouldn't mind me saying this because um, I mentioned to him in the interview anyway. He, he comes in that category of players you may not remember or play the time has forgot type feature that we do often on here um, he played I remember him because he's a QPR player but he also played for Bristol Rovers in the 90s as well he's former QPR Bristol Rovers defender Trevor Chalice talking to me earlier this oh last month it was now on Alive and Kicking joining me on the line now former QPR defender and later Bristol Rovers as well Trevor Chalice welcome to Alive and Kicking hi Ash good to have you on the show we're taking you back to the 90s now um, you were at QPR as a young boy how did you end up at Rangers, my team actually, I'm a QPR fan myself, uh, and what was it like growing up in that kind of Jerry France, that great team in the early 90s? Well, I was originally an Arsenal boy, and there was a group of us who were training uh, down at Arsenal, and it was myself, Kevin Gallen, and boys like that, and, and we all came across at the same time, a scout called um, Pat Nolan, who, who obviously run a very successful football team in that era, Belmont United, he, he went from Arsenal to QPR, and, and we all followed him, and it was a very good team and, and we pretty much all signed for for QPR at the same time. Um, and obviously two or three players went on from that same team to, to have professional careers. So that, that's how we all ended up at QPR um, as young lads, really. What was, I mean, we often ask uh, footballers on this show about that sort of time and, and the era it was for youngsters. Was it the kind of the YTS, the, the jobs you have to do? It's very different to, to how maybe youngsters do it today. What was it like for you growing up in the youth teams at Arsenal and QPR? Well, I'm, I've, I've run the full circle. So now I'm now a youth team coach myself. So I, I coach Bristol City's under 18s. And it, if I if I was able to to do half of the things which our old youth team manager done, then I'd probably be sacked if I'm doing it. <laughs> the rules have totally changed. Um, the cleaning of boots, for example, the, the, the boys aren't even allowed to do that now. So you know we have to we have to make it as realistic for them because they're going into the big bad world of, of football, really. But um, yeah, I mean, the jobs in that are totally different. There's no kit to be put out or cleaned. Um, although they have their own jobs, which they do daily, it's nothing like that, that we used to have to do back in our day now. Do you prefer it that way? Do you think it's better now? Or do you think some of the sort of lesser jobs got that sort of toughness into footballers? Well, I'm, I'm not too sure. I speak to the LFE about the league football education, you know, the guys who, who are ex-professionals and, and they're advocates that, you know... That what they're doing now is a lot better than what it used to be, but I suppose I've got the rose-tinted spectacles on. I, you know, those days for me were, were great grounding. Um, I was in and around people like Alan McDonald, and even before that, Paul Parker, I can remember mm. going and training with and Roy Weglin, guys like that. And it was just a fantastic era to be around, putting the kit out and, and boots and things like that. And you learn so much hearing them chatting and, and Ray Wilkins and guys like that. So for me, it was a fantastic era to go in and, and be around the dressing rooms, even putting the kit out and boots and things like that, and, and learning from those guys. Absolutely. Mm. What was your progression like to, to the QPR first team? You, you made a sort of spreading appearances from sort of '94 onwards. How? What was it? What do you remember about making that step uh, to the first well, team and, and a Premier League club as they were at the time? Yeah, no, they were, and we had a real successful youth team. That won um, obviously the what was the Southeast Counties League and the Floodlit Cup, so we won the double. Um, 
and and that successful team went into the reserves as well. What used to be the reserves, and they don't have the reserves anymore. And we won the league uh, as well. So that team that went through, the likes of Kevin Gallen and Danny Disho and Nigel Quaz, we, so we all grew up together uh, and played together. And and you know, so we all played in the team um, in the reserves, which was very successful. And we all got our opportunity. Um, Kevin was obviously first. He, he played. He was the first one to make his debut. And then it was, uh, I think, Matty Brazy, myself, pretty much at the same time. Nigel Quasi came in as a 17-year-old. Danny Diccio as well. So, you know, during that era, there was probably four or five, I think, outstanding young players coming through at the same time who, for different reasons, either progressed or didn't progress um, into the team. Mm, I remember it vividly as well. But, I mean, the main season at QPR was obviously an unfortunate one for the actual club. I mean, what was it that season that kind of, the releg- led to relegation of the Salas. Ferdinand was a big issue. What for you kind of never, I mean, must have been bittersweet making a first team regular, but also the, the season that they had. You know, you, you can never take that away, that period of time, making your debut at Goodison Park and your full debut and um, and things like that go with it. But yeah, for me, you know, you didn't replace somebody like Les Ferdinand, who, who was scored, 20, I think, 20, over 20 goals the previous season. Mm. Uh, Mark Haley was brought in, which wasn't successful, unfortunately, um, with the big money buy. And I think that was probably the big one. Um, once you let a goal scorer like that go and you don't replace those goals, I think you always struggle the following year. And, and Kevin Gallen was a young lad, obviously, with a lot of expectation on his shoulders with Bradley Allen um, also at times. And, and So it was a young back line, if you, a forward line, if you, if you look at it in that way. Mm. So Bradley, Danny, um, obviously Kevin Gallen. It was quite a young forward line at the time. Mm. How good, I mean, Kevin Gallen is obviously a QPR hero, but there's, there's the rumours yeah. going around that Man United would we'll him around the Andy Cole era. Then he had that injury like yourself, which we'll get to. But how good yeah. do you think Kevin Gallen, no disrespect to what he did at QPR, but could have become? Kevin was outstanding. I'd never seen a goal scorer like him. And I was very fortunate. I grew up with him from 10 years old, playing in um, Sunday football and going <clears throat> to Arsenal with him. And then obviously to Queen's Park. And so we had a good growing up, but, he was the best finisher I've, I've ever I've ever played with and been fortunate enough to work with. Um, that was obviously going through QPR Bristol Rovers, I think, where I played with Jason Roberts and Jamie Curran and guys like that. But Kev was, he just had that instinctive mm. knack of being in, in the right area at the right time. Um, but his hold-up play, I thought, was excellent as well. So it wasn't just his finishing. I think, you know, he had a big fat, fat bum on him and he was <laughs> back in well and back into defenders for his size and linked the play well. So, you know, I don't think he got enough credit for his link-up play, but his finishing, I thought, for me, was second to none. Yeah. The injury, obviously, knocked him for six. I think it was Portsmouth where he'd done his cruise shirt. I can remember it well. And, um, you know, and he sort of... I never thought... I, it was that half a yard of pace, I think, which which suffered with me when I'd done mining as well. So I think he lost that half a yard of pace at that point. And, but up until, that, up until then, I thought he was destined. I think there was Leeds United, who were a top premiership club, Man United. They were all swooping in on it at the time so mm. it was just unfortunate with that injury when it came to him mm. One game from that relegation season that always sticks out is the Man United game at home where Eric Cantona scored in whatever the 90 millionth minute 97th minute yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was, was that like a turning point for you because that win would really have sort of you know galvanised the team but it felt like it was really from there that they never really recovered Yeah I'll go back to earlier I can remember the Middlesbrough game where um, we drew 1-1 and totally dominated the game um, Simon Barker, I think, missed the penalty, and it was one of those days where, you know, we'd done everything but scored. But you can count, you can look back on games, and so you had the Manchester United one where Cantona scored in the 97th. 
you had the Middlesbrough game where, you know, totally dominated and were on top. Um, there was too many draws. That, that's stuff. There was too many draws in that season, really. Um, coupled with some real poor results towards the back end of the season, the Coventry City one at Highfield Race springs to the mind where we got beat badly when we needed that three points. So too many draws and, and important games where you didn't pick up the three points. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And mm. following season, you suffered that injury at Norwich, wasn't it, if I remember rightly, the Norwich game. Um, did you know instantly that that was a bad one and how long you'd be out for? Yeah, I did. Um, I tried getting up and playing on it, but as soon as I put put my leg back up on the ground after the challenge, after Rob Newman's tackle, I knew instantly that it was a real bad one. And obviously went back down. Brian Morris came on and signaled to the bench that I needed replacing. And, and it was only on the coach, I think, the severity when, when obviously we had the, the Krokov ice pack on. And you know it's bad when you've been travelling two and a half hours from Norwich back to Loftus Road and you get back and you take the ice pack off and you need bloom. It's as big as a buff bright red and inflamed and straight to the hospital and, and unfortunately that was the end of my time at QPR that day yeah you, you had 20 months out and was it five knee operations was there a yeah, point five where, knee you, where you thought yeah. that was it I'd had surgeons asking me do I have I got a plan B and you know but you're a young lad and you don't want to hear those those questions and I was, I was really determined to try and make a career for myself and not retire at that point and I think that was a little bit about me I, I was quite driven and quite hard working and, and, and the thought of not playing again at that time, you know, and the surgeon, I said he was confident that I'd have seven years in the game when he'd done his last stop. He said he was quite confident I'd get seven years and I actually played at a level up until I was about 30, 33, 32 or 33, I think I was when my knee really gave up on me. But, um, yeah, when, when you're a young lad and hear those words, it's not nice, it's not great. Mm-hmm. You did manage to recover and, and forge a, a long career at Bristol Rovers, mainly, especially in the decade that, that we're talking about. I mean, how too much did you enjoy your time there? I know you were player of the year for a few times as well. What was it like yeah. at that level during the, sort of the back end of, of the 1990s? We had a real good... So I, I went down there and Ian Holloway built a great group of boys. Um, and we were a group that would run through brick walls for him, really. Um, so the first two years were, were, were really exciting years with... Some of the players I, I mentioned before, Barry Hales and Jason Roberts and um, Bobby Zamora, was, mm. who played a few, a few times, Bobby did, uh, Nathan Lennon. So there's, there's some great centre-fours there, but obviously Andy Tilson I played with at QPR as well was down there. So there was a little bit of a QPR connection as well with boys going each way. Um, so we knew a, a, few of, a few of the guys down there and thoroughly enjoyed the first couple of years. The team we had, the firepower we had up top was was exceptional. And... Um, and I, and again, like my time at QPR, when those boys got sold on and, and you're losing out on 40-odd goals, Jamie Curitan and Jason Roberts, and you're not replacing them correctly, um, it became difficult, the team did, to compete at, at that level. And if I'm being honest, we were probably punching above our weight with the players that we had. Obviously, the, the firepower was great. But um, when we didn't replace those players, um, when they got sold on, then we really struggled in League One that year. Mm-hmm. Something we always ask players of this decade, and you mentioned a few names already, but who are the best players you played with and the best players you played against? Because I know you had a few couple of England on 21 caps as well. Would anyone yeah. come into to that? Who was the best around? Yeah, um, obviously, David Beckham played in my team out there right. in oh, Toulon, okay. and he, he was, you know, I use him as an example to the young lads at Bristol City now about his, you know, everybody looks at the finished article, I said, but every session he was doing extra, and it's no coincidence by doing extra, he got to where he wanted to go. Mm. and where he was destined to be. Um, obviously, 
he had to work hard at his game, which he did. Um, and I use him as great. So, so he was exceptional. I thought Trevor Sinclair was was a real talent. I really did. And I got on really well with Trevor. He lived in Harrow. And uh, knew me as well. So I thought he was excellent. And um, and one towards the end of his career, I was lucky enough to play behind, was Mark Walters, oh, the okay. Liverpool winger. Yeah, I thought Mark was well, a yeah. really, really exceptional, gifted winger. Able to travel well with the ball. And he'd he done the same trick, but the fullbacks went for it every time. The step over. And it was, you know, that was great to play with him for probably a season and a half in front of me as well. How about against? Uh, there's a picture I found of you with, against Paul Merson in your in the Premier League heyday. I mean, was it the likes of that in the the Premier League days? Who was the best you played up against? Oh well, um, I thought Dennis Bergkamp in that Arsenal game was was unbelievable to play against. And I was tasked because they they played very narrow um, in that picture there of of when Bergkamp got on the ball to make sure we were narrow fullbacks and and be close enough to engage him if he got on the half turn, but. He was probably a step or perhaps four or five steps ahead of us at the time. I thought he was brilliant, um, Bergkamp, on the day and, and very hard to play against. The other one um, that springs in my mind in that era was King Cladsey for Man City. Oh, of course, I can yeah. remember. I can remember playing uh, for QPR at Main, at Main Road and and myself and Nigel Quasi, a few of us were just jogging along the touchline afraid to go in and tackle him until Nigel went in and took a booking. <laughs> um, but he was he was a real, real talent, King Cladsey was uh, in that era. And, and now, as you said, you're coaching at Bristol City. Yeah, I'm coaching the under-18, so um, we're just preparing for our big game tonight. We've got Birmingham City in the FA Youth Cup, so we're all prepared, ready ready to go and looking forward to that. So thoroughly enjoying uh, passing on a bit of knowledge, which which I learned from, as you said, mentioned earlier, probably one of the best managers I work with, Jerry Francis. So I think a lot of my coaching philosophy comes from that type of, it's been moulded from Jerry and guys like that, yeah. Brilliant. Great stuff. Well, thank you for sharing those memories. Oh, I thought you were an underrated player at Office Road, Trevor. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks very much, Ash. Thank Cheers. you for that. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dorma, America for the World Cup one. Gloryland. Go and Google that fantastic tune, ITV's um, one for the uh, 94 World Cup. Um, struggling commentators. I don't think this is a 90s thing, because if you hear Paul Merson try and pronounce some of the footballers' <laughs> names on Soccer Saturday, they, they still have that. But uh, they do mention guys like Gus Poyer and Epson Bards, and you never quite knew how to pronounce them. Um, Owlsby Town's Duck Celebration. Do you, uh, this is a random one, because QPR play these. I do remember it. Yeah. yeah, I remember it. I couldn't tell you who they played. It was a cup, early cup, first, second, third round tie, wasn't it? They beat somebody, and then they all lined yeah, up in a line thing, and yeah. waddled along. And I'm not... I know there's a feature in this magazine in the piece about uh, contrived celebrations, and that's something I'm not a fan of. I have to say, <laughs> well, we are sat, we are sat like old men today, aren't we? Um, they, they play. We played them in the cup. There's another team we actually beat in the in the cup. Um, they didn't do the duck celebration that time. Cause I don't think they scored. Well, though. well done, you Ash. Your team beat Ellsbury Town. Well done. Hey, if we beat Ellsbury Town in the cup in 2019, I'll be running for. I'll be running around like a crazy man to win an FA Cup third round game. <laughs> Um, Blanco's bunny hop yeah nothing to say Marvin but a great skill that the Mexican used to do where he used to catch the ball in between his ankles then kind of hop over defenders it's something I'd, I think he'd get kicked off the pitch even in 2018 if he tried it <laughs> now but yeah a nice quirk there uh, Frank Lampard Jr. Is, is included in this again he's not something I would say 90s but I think they just mean the birth of Frank Lampard in terms of his footballing career that happened in the, the late 90s most, the most polite guest 
I ever had on Sunday brunch. Oh, he's ever, yeah, I've interviewed him. I, well, I've actually got his number in my phone. Not trying to drop names oh, and numbers, oh, but right, not that right. I ever not that I ever call him. But yeah, he um, when we've done some stuff with Kick before, he's he's actually somebody who just rings up from his own phone. And he doesn't need the agent or the club involved. Mm. He just goes, "Hi, it's Frank," and it's like oh. he's the only one who ever stood up and introduced himself as I walked in the room. The only guest that I dealt with on Sunday brunch in two years of being on it. That's about two hundred and fifty different celebrities, and he's the only one who stood up when I emptied, entered the room and come and shake. shake my hand so Props he can do no wrong yeah, does that say does that say more about you or him <laughs> <laughs> probably me uh george weir the new president of libya isn't it liberia liberia, yeah, liberia, yeah. liberia sorry so he's yeah obviously uh, george weir i think we've mentioned a couple of times when people have um put him on their cvs but uh, a great player matthew of the 90s that goal against verona everyone remembers don't they yeah yeah brilliant play it's funny because with the, him being in the news with the um going for president it, it, going back to being an old man again but you think oh yeah George. and, and you, you find yourself looking back at these old clips and he's obviously in the news so they're showing all these old clips and uh, easy to forget how good he was but but yeah it doesn't take long to see a few old clips and realise what a, what a great player he was mm. um, didn't do quite as well in England that was later in his career wasn't it for City and Chelsea he scored a few goals but wasn't the player yeah, yeah. The, but former Ballon d'Or winner in the 90s of course the first African player to win that gong the only African player yeah the only African player to win that isn't it yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, um, players with trademark celebrations. I mean, again, you can uh, it still happens. It still happens. Uh, yeah, you can. Well, all... it happens now because of what people started in the nineties. That's what oh, you, you can't deny. Roger people... Miller. No, right. Yeah, I give him that. I'm thinking more Lee Sharp, Lee Sharp, Paul yeah. and all those kind of. You know, what's wrong with seeing a player just run off and? You're... Well, they quote. Uh, I'm, I'm getting on the... Yeah, but the one hand just... in the air from Shearer is pretty dull. Yeah, it's pretty dull. Yeah, but and it's, it's a trademark. That, yeah, but. I'll tell you who I used to love, and this is not keeping it 90s, David Speedy, where he used to run off going mad and he'd climb up <laughs> on the, the old perimeter fences, you know, and be up uh, on the board. And he just, he just, just pure emotion came out when he scored. Players score yeah, now and it doesn't look like him. did that. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, obviously you can't do it now because there's no perimeter fencing, love, thankfully. But I love Stuart Pearce. He used to just, just turn around going, come on, I've scored. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's get on with it. Yeah, I used to like that. Mm. Um, so, so sponsors they're talking about here are where you had sort of people like Dagenham Motors and Classic yeah. FM, they mentioned, uh, which is sponsored QPR in 1993, and Dimplex and, and companies like that you don't see. It's all the big companies nowadays. I think that's. We just, had uh, we had Dickens Home Improvement at the market, yeah. who were only. Um, a, 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 a DIY store that was had a branch in Stockton, one in somewhere else, Fennymore, and one up in Whitley Bay or something, I think, you know, three branches and all that exposure. It can't get as bad as Borough about, I think in about 2009, where we had a different shirt sponsor every month. Oh, yeah, and I remember And it was always that. just yeah. some, some really, like, weird local little companies because we couldn't get anybody to sponsor us, so they would pitch out month-by-month month deals. So we ended up like, to... random glazing companies and things like that from round Acklam or whatever. I love that though. I love the way you can reference a, a team in an era by the. Yes. You know, if you said if you said Southampton Draper Tools or Avco Trust West Ham or whatever, you know, they're they're two eighties, aren't they? But um, I know. Yeah, you can. I think they rolled into the nineties a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But you know what I mean. There, there were just certain eras where you go, oh yeah, that was that kit with, you know, whatever on the front. Whereas now it's all Chinese betting companies, isn't it? It's all betting companies. It's all, yeah. Yeah. God, we are so, that old yeah. man. Um, man of the match voting in Sky Game in, is something that, that happened and started in the nineties. Yeah, a stupid idea. It, I don't know why they ever did that. It, should, it, really... it, it happened. Didn't it happen with ITV in the match? Uh, he did. I think yeah, it happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, premium yeah. phone lines. Then that was before even the red button yeah. and things like that. So yeah. um, the chaos caused by the foreigner rule. Obviously, Alex Ferguson moaned about that 
a lot during the early 90s when he, had, he couldn't play Peter Schmeichel and he had to play Gary Walsh in goal because of the, yeah. the, the non-finals, of course. So and, and Mark Hughes counted as foreign and Dennis Irwin yeah, counted of course, as foreign. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, talk of that coming back is ridiculous because I, I don't think it ever will. But yeah, Man United lost 4 0. Was that to. That was I was, I, in the, in I was the there that night, yeah. yeah. Barcelona 4 0 away. Stoichkov yeah. and Romario. I mean, and, I, I don't think if you had a full team, I mean, Stoichkov and Romario, no. it, was, it was early. It was Man United no. learning the European trade, wasn't it? I, yeah, I think, well, that was the yeah. thing. United, United were dominant here, but whenever they went into Europe, they just completely got shown up, really. And um, a lot of well, that probably was because of, uh, the players had to. You know, he couldn't play a full-strength team. I just don't, don't think English teams were geared they up. They were ready. Mm. No. no. Uh, Rotor Volgograd. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Do you remember them? Yes. I mean, Schmeichel scored the, scored the goal right at the end. I think, yeah, to preserve United's unbeaten run, as it was then, yeah. Mm. Uh, a couple of great games are then referenced, um, something we both talked about here on our FA Cup shows, on our matches shows. Um, a couple of these we're going to do a whole show on, I've decided as well, especially Collingwood closing in is, is the first one, of course. Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3 from the 95-96 season. Sky still score the greatest ever Premier League game, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And that's why we have to watch Liverpool-Newcastle every Season. Yeah, exactly. Twice, yeah. yes, yeah. Just, that, in yeah. Yeah, just yeah. in case it happens again. <laughs> uh, and then Ryan Giggs versus Arsenal again. And one another game that's got everything. That FA Cup semi final of '99. Uh, that goal, the penalty miss, the, the you know those two teams, those juggernauts of that era. Mm-hmm. Another fantastic yeah. game. Um, Diana Ross's penalty miss. I mean, that's something we talked about in USA '94. It holds a special place in my heart because of that tournament. But I mean, to this day, you watch that. It's just pathetic, isn't it? That <laughs> penalty and then the the goal. She's an collapses. old woman in heels. What do you expect? She wasn't that old in 1994, was she? Must have been 50 odd. Oh, well. It was still, it was still better than Baggio's penalty. You still it? better than Baggio's yes, penalty. There yeah. you go. That, you can call it the World Cup bookend by two you, terrible of course, penalties. Yes, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> but one didn't cost me ten quid. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have bet. Oh, you wouldn't have bet on Diana Ross. <laughs> Uh, modern super clubs being bobbins or referencing when City of course they were relegated to the third tier in the 90s uh, Chelsea weren't the team that they were even Tot- and Tottenham struggled so it's, it's harking back to an era when you know before the money came in and the teams were more level pegging and were a bit bobbins than they are now uh, Alessandro Del Piero is, is men- again I think he's someone we'll mention when we do our Italian episode but I kind of linking him more to the next decade he, I know he had a, he had a great spell in the kind of Juventus is winning Champions League team, but I don't think '90s when I think Del Piero. I think they're more the better, more Italian players that I would go to first, and and then and Del Piero, um, Beckham scoring from the halfway line, and I mean I think this is just about David Beckham in general. Um, me and Joe, we talked about this in our very first episode, if I remember rightly, because um, that was on the opening I day. I think we talked about opening days, didn't we? Yeah, and, the same day. Yeah. That was the same day as the Ravenelli. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've got what. What I didn't know, though, and this this is mentioned in this, that he was wearing a pair of Adidas Predator boots, which obviously is iconic. But the boots had Charlie Miller's name on them because they were borrowed from Rangers. Uh, they were an ex pair of his he wasn't using, and he didn't have any boots that fit. So there's a little. I didn't know that until I read that in this article. So well done to for, for that little peach of information. But yeah, I, as I always say with that goal, I always remember listening to it. Um, I was on holiday at the time, and Jonathan Pierce was commentating, and he went absolutely bonkers uh, on this goal. And it obviously the... <laughs> when, when didn't he go but absolutely it, bonkers? It, Extra bonkers, yeah. Extra bonkers <laughs> on Capital Gold. It's like he was commentating on Robot Wars. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah, it, that is, was... it is worth watching Robot Wars, but just for one reason. 
and it's, and it's not Jonathan Pierce's commentary. <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> and that was the birth of Beckham. Um, brutally crap away kits, and we constantly talk about away kits on here. But you know the, the ones that are shown are those uh, the Chelsea granite kit, uh, the the purple Bristol City one, which I believe they've got this season actually as a as a heart back to that. Uh, a Tottenham yellow kit, the accrue kit from Liverpool is a word that you never hear apart from that mid nineties when accrue was an actual colour and a, a really horrible <laughs> South End away kit. But yeah, obviously it was the era. We've done many kits on here. I'll talk about kits on here. We've done pods on it. Um, Sir Les Ferdinand, of course, already mentioned um, earlier in the podcast, but yeah, he was an, a 90s great and the only player to be called Sir without actually getting anywhere near the Queen, and, and rightfully bloody so as well. Well, that's because he smashed up the Blue Peter Garden. Oh, he God, didn't. I bet he's, I'm sick of that story. I bet he's bloody he sick didn't of do that it story. Anyway. He didn't do it anywhere. I know, allegedly, yeah. Um, yeah. Corinthian figures, again, we mention them all the time, uh, and a Corinthian collector, he's, he follows us on Twitter and listens to the show. So you, sh- saw, you saw the, the retweet the other day that I sent, yeah? Yeah, I, yeah, I did, I retweeted, yeah. I always forget they did ha- they did Marino, didn't they? Which is a really random Marino, figure to do. John yeah. Henry, and I think it was Jamie Pollock as well as the other one, yeah. The Hendry one was Very brilliant. Strange. The Hendry one really looked like him. I didn't realise that. I couldn't remember those Yeah, ones. I had that one as well, John Hendry. I, I had loads of the Borough ones, but yeah, that, that made me smile when he said he found them. Oh, I love Corinthian figures. Absolutely love them. Um, Footix is the mascot for France 98, and I'm not happy because they called the mascot from 94 a dodgy half-arsed version. And I think the 94 mascot's pretty good. Striker. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know what their problem is with that. He's my favourite mascot, and even the not Ita- as bad as that terrible Italian. Oh, ciao! Just blocks. Ciao. Yeah. It was very Art Deco, very Italian at the time, though, wasn't it? Ciao. Mm. Um, I don't mind it. Uh, Matarazzi at Everton. Yeah, you know he was a, a bit of a mad case. He, he signed for Everton in the late nineties. Kevin Pressman's powerful penalty um, is a, a goal that he scored for Sheffield Wednesday against Wolves. That was one of the most powerful I think he was going to break the goal but it's always fun to see a, a goalkeeper score bonkers keepers kits again kit talk we always do on here and there was uh, we've already mentioned on here and um, the, the, the kits of George Campos and Rene Aguita but then the Adidas ones that Shaka Hislop had to wear and David James and then Tim Flowers for Blackburn who had ASICs they were some crazy crazy um, Premier League football stickers now um, I think Joe I think we did a show yes. on that I think we went we to did. town on that ago, so, yeah, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the documentary I think it's still on um, whatever ITV yeah, Hub, Hub yeah. Yeah. Um, really good documentary with Greg Lansdowne who weirdly enough has just emailed me how random is that I don't know what it's about but Greg Lansdowne who wrote the book Stuck on You he was on that show uh, Soccer AM with your old pal Tim Lovejoy um, with Timothy yeah and Neil of course Neil um, who's been on the show yeah. yeah, but yeah I mean um, um, Matthew and Joe worked on the show we've talked about it before but I mean Soccer AM it may be a bit of a tired show now but in the 90s it was essential viewing wasn't it yeah, it was. I mean, I'm going to play my. I was a bit too old. Well, I suppose I wasn't too old for it because it wasn't. It wasn't that. I just don't really remember it being such a big part of my. I mean, fancy football. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I. Maybe I just wasn't up early we, enough to watch. Were you it. just I don't sitting know. up late because it used to start at seven in the morning. Yeah. It's good. Like you yeah. Like that, that, that's hours. exactly the reason why I. I didn't watch it probably. I don't mm. know. It just. It just never caught my imagination as much as. Um, like I say fantasy football. Yes, and we could probably do a whole show on that. I, mean, I love that that program this but... is, which isn't in this list which is ridiculous because not... oh well i thought I'd, I'd sort of stolen your thunder i thought you're gonna say that was that was next but no, it's no not... that's sho- that's yeah. shocking then because yeah. to me i don't know whether that just says more about my kind of humor or what i like but i was more into that was much more my thing than no i, soccer I, I think it... I, i'd probably i'd probably blame soccer am for a lot of, sort of modern day football <laughs> fans to be honest you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I like that. But I'm yeah, I'm I'm telling I'm you I'm said that. Yeah. No, no. Well, I'm sure that. you know that. You know, he's doing a job and he's very successful. I think, I think he knows. Yeah. yeah. I well, knows I could say if he, I'm sure he would know, and I'm sure he'd. he'd I'll tell him. you something. Yeah. 
Tim has never watched Soccer M since he left because yeah. he says he finds it too hard to watch. He's just yeah, like... Yeah. In, I can imagine it's like respect, his baby, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's mm. what he said to me about it when I was chatting with him about it before. I only ever talked to him about it once, and that was when I'd had a couple of beers. So, you know, I probably didn't <laughs> bring it up at any time. But, yeah, he's never watched it since. He said it's too it's too much. It's his thing, and it's yeah, still well, hurts him a bit. But he, was, he just ran everything on that show. Yeah. He'd, he'd have done the cameras if he could. Yeah, okay. and in back in the day, it was it was essential viewing, and and, and as yeah. was fantasy football. I think fantasy football should be in this, yeah. given Three Lions and the effect that had on the the decade as well. Um, mm-hmm. Breakfast cereal. Uh, this is a random one. I put this on Twitter every now and then. That Kellogg's did a, a cereal called Strike uh, that was based on the Premier League, or sort of late nineties, because I think Michael Owen was in the advert, so it would have to have been late nineties. But yeah, that was quite yeah, random. You remember it. Uh, Tim Bazaglo's hat trick. That's something we've mentioned in the past. Um, That's from, a Sid one. Yeah, from from Woking's yeah. Uh, FA Cup win over West Brom. Um, he, was, I always think of Paddy O'Sullivan because he was a Chelsea fan. Um, Tim Bazaglo, and apparently he was in the program the week after he did that just using up the fame that he had. But yeah, that's a very early <laughs> FA Cup giant killing that we've mentioned in the past. Sky's player cam. That was a random thing that didn't yeah. last very long, wasn't it? Yeah, they just did. Uh, they would follow them around for like quarter of an hour. Yeah. I think they started off doing the full game and then they moved to moving to different players for quarter an hour because essentially it wasn't very interesting. Yeah, because well, they also when... used to do, can you remember the fan cam that they used yeah, to do? Yeah. They used to, yeah, I think that was more 2000s. It, but... it was when digital TV kind of came along, wasn't it? And they suddenly had all these channels and, and you could follow one because... player then you there was one sta- one sort of static at the back of the stand that you could yeah, watch as if you were at the camera, match and there was a player yeah. camera and there was I a... mean needless yeah. to say it didn't last long and then you had obviously you had fan zone was it called you know when you mm, had the two yeah, players, the two yeah. mates that was probably later than the 90s admittedly but um it was it was obviously one of those things where they just typical sky you know an innovation that yeah, a bit like 3D. I mean, whatever happened to that? And the best thing they ever Gone. did was the the score in the top corner. That's the best innovation they ever did. It was the first yeah. thing they did, and it, it, agreed. Yeah, and it probably, stood the test of time. And they it? probably didn't even think about that. All the ones that they've overthought have been have yeah. come and gone. But that, I mean, it's just a staple hold now. Um, talking to Sky, they also mentioned the original Super Sunday intro. I think it still should be the one. It should have been a yeah. thing, a here thing we like go, that. Here, here we, we go. go. This is it. it. Yeah, fantastic. But that's, that goes back to what I was saying about match of the day i think with some things you, you almost want that well you know it's the 70th anniversary of sports report isn't it this year and they're yes. making a big thing of it and you know and stuff like that certain things i'm all for innovation but certain things almost need to yeah stay well, they use, constant and they just use a random pop tune now don't they it doesn't really have yeah. any uh, sort of stigma mm. of its own where if they stuck with that you'd always know that's super sunday even though it's not even yeah. it's not always as super as they hope it would be but that would be the theme tune um emil heskey's kit modifications that just referenced the fact that his neck was so large he had to cut into the collar of the leicester city shirt during night what's his full name ivanhoe yeah it was his birthday yesterday and I, I posted that weird clip of him on um, rod hole's tv show that people don't actually... i do like I, I do like the thing about his dad won a load of money by putting a bet on when he was a kid saying my son will play for England oh did he do that too like Chris, Chris Kirkland's dad has did that as well I think yes yeah and uh, Emmy Lesky's dad as well yeah mm. I just love Dream although team. I don't Heskey Heskey brought my heart so I don't want yeah. to think about it yeah it was that season as well um, Dream yeah. Team is, is the next one we did a whole show on Dream Team I'm not going to mention anything <laughs> else what's this <laughs> I'm not going to say that anything else about Dream Team I think we've done it to death but yeah great show uh, players humiliate themselves in photo shoots is again we mentioned this during magazines podcast that we did yeah, they were m- much more up for shoots I know this very well from my own day job that you can't get players to do anything the fact that I got Phil Jagielka to wear a Santa hat uh, last year was, was way beyond I thought I'd get so yeah but they've got a picture of Zola in a 
dressed as Robin. Um, the, the classic one as well is uh, Ian Rush in an Everton shirt. That April Fool's joke that was, I think that was 89 or the 90. 89, but, 90, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, those things don't happen anymore. Adverts is mentioned that better than TV shows themselves. We did a whole pod um, on adverts, and there's a couple mentioned here. The, the Sean Bean one from Sky, the Reebok one that had Vic Reeves and Alf Garnet and Jarvis Cocker in it, some great ones. Um, the next two I'm going to kind of skip over because, again, they're Italian-based, and I'm going to save them. But basically, Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo, we're going to do a whole show on him, but obviously fantastic player from the 90s whatever happened in the 98 world cup is neither here or there we'll talk more about him in detail in an upcoming show as we will ac milan and then we're on to the last few um des Lynam's reading if joel i think we mentioned that last Which, time out didn't we sid talked about it yeah, yeah it was so. one it was one of one of sid's things for extolling the virtues of uh, mr desmond Lynam again and i keep saying this another book you should go and read if you can desmond Lynam's autobiography yeah i need to dig that one out. Uh, i'd really like to read that actually yeah. it's lovely next time i see you ash i'll bring it down for you oh that sounds I'll, good. I'll bring it in you can, you can have it i'm looking at it right now in fact so oh, yeah okay. we can uh, I, I will happily do that for you when we yeah. see each other in real life it's, it's been too long um, it's been about two years it's <laughs> called i should have been at work yeah. it's called there's oh, fantastic book. um center half or center forward yeah dion dublin paul warhurst chris sutton the old conversion yeah. you don't see a lot of that anymore do you people switching positions like that um, we talked about that in i think did i think in my underrated uh, oh, yeah, Paul Paul Warhurst, Warhurst yeah, yeah. in midfield and said but actually could probably play anywhere in that team yeah so yeah that's why i was like i'm always very handy on sensible world of soccer oh, and championship go. manager very handy one to buy uh, Le Tournois. that's a, a tournament we remember fondly mainly that england won it it's a trophy and roberto carlos's free kick the from the summer of 97 yeah it was before 98 world cup wasn't it so yeah it was like a mm-hmm. warm-up tournament like the confederations cup they do now um then the last few i'm just literally going to skim through these kevin keegan who we've done a lot on um villa's beverages is a random one that they had pictures of a lot of pictures are going around at the time of villa players telling what drinks they like and dwight york likes ribena i don't know if they were desperate when they got to this <laughs> bit part of the yeah, list. i think they'd run out of ideas yeah, i could have there's loads more i could add um, the Milton Road stand just referencing better stands in the days The Impossible Job absolutely fantastic documentary with Graham Taylor I mentioned this a lot on the, on this show if you haven't watched that I'm sure it's somewhere on the internet um, really 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 good watch that is and then Fergie Time which is, of course we talked about Matthew a lot when we did the 92-93 uh, the season review and we talked about that Sheffield Wednesday game um, and then the last one I mean, is an actual feature that they go into then a great feature by Gary Parkinson um, on how the 90s became cool when they came cool again and he made mentions Italia 90 and World in Motion. Uh, I think Frank Skinner and David Dill get a mention in this. I haven't completely read it all yet, um, but it, it's it's a, it's a great read. It's a great issue as well. Um, I said that in my intro. There's some great interviews in there and stuff, but we thought we'd go through that. We managed to do all 90 and we've done it in just over an hour. Um, there are a few things they probably missed. Um, is there anything that comes to mind you think they could have included, guys? Let's go to you. Well, I'm gonna, go on, Matthew. Well, so I, I was going to say, I've just said, already said it, how, how you can not have fantasy football yeah. league in there. I mean, not just because the game was huge as well, if you remember. Not just the TV show. I mean, it was a fantasy football was pretty much born in the 90s, mm, wasn't it? Yes. The game. Mm-hmm. And then the TV show came as a, an offshoot of that. So I think that's a huge omission there. Um, mm. Just off the top of my head, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, like you say, I'm sure there's others we've discussed over the, in the podcast over the years that aren't in there. But that's probably the biggest for me. Yeah, Joe. Anything? The only one I, yeah. the only one I would have said would have been um, Danny Baker in the introduction of Six or Six. Yeah, that's um, true. Yes. I, I think because that that sort of was was probably hand in hand with Soccer M and fantasy football in turning it, it around that you could be funny about it it didn't have to be all poor faced analysis and and everything all the time and you could have a laugh and poke fun at it you know what i mean and it introduced the photo the the, the 
the, the phone in as a whole, didn't it? I mean, really nowadays yeah, yeah. you get a phone, you get phone ins on every every radio station. But then it was, even though it wasn't like they are now, which are pretty poor now, but um, mm. it gave the fan the, the voice to phone in after a game and and, and talk to somebody. Whereas then that I wasn't mean, really an option. Danny Baker's, Danny Baker's philosophy about it was essentially, let's not be boring about it. Tell me your, your silly stories. You know, he tells a story in his book. About Andy, he did a thing about when when have you seen a, a bent referee? And Andy Townsend rings up and rattles yeah. off all these stories about what the time well, they've it, had to deal with bent referees. It, it was been banned it, from the game for six months now. It, it was great because if you listen to for anyone that listened to it in its early days, and I did, I remember list, coming back from games listening to it. When you listen to six oh six now or any other phone in, they're so dour compared to because it wasn't really about fans ringing in and. Talking about, about play left back or whatever. Back it, it was yeah. more about somebody saying, "Oh, you know, we we got drunk and we didn't see the game, or so and so threw up down himself in the terrace." You know, it was all that kind of the stories stuff. and the paraphernalia yeah. that surrounds it. And then it, it just got sort of, you know, st- it became sterile. And then it now it's just, you know, you, I can't even listen now because it's like, you know, hearing Arsenal fans ringing up moaning about Wenger or whatever. I mean, what's the what's the point? What's the point? It's the mm. same old, same old, same old. But yeah, yeah, no, that's a good shout. I mean, the couple I would mention that they've even got them on the front cover. I mean, Alexi Lalas to me is very nineties. I know he's he's a friend of the show, so he's he was been on it. Um, Toto Scalacci, just surprise players at World Cups, um, things like that. The Fergie uh, rivalry with Keegan and Wenger. I mean, it's their personal choice. It's their 90 Rick things that they loved about the 90s. But they're like, I agree with the guys. There's a, there's a few there we missed. But get the if you are a fan of 90s football, which I'm sure you are because you're listening to this show, get the issue because it is a great, great uh, issue of, of 442 that's out. I think it's, it's out until the middle of Feb. So you've got time to, to get your hands on that. Um, well, thank you, guys. We managed to do that. We can let Matthew get out the car now. But before you, you go... <laughs> You're giving uh, the game away now. Yeah, yeah before you go, let's, uh, let's just see where people can follow you on the, on the social network. Matthew, where can people get in touch uh, Twitter, if you want to, it's at Matthew J. Christ or MatthewChrist.co.uk, where you can read the full story of the Anglo Italian Cup. <laughs> yes, you can. It's an interesting story as well. And Joel, yeah. where can people get in touch with you if they want to talk football, wrestling? George yeah, well, I'll, I mean, I'll just, I'll just warn them that Top of the Pops is starting tonight, so it might be. It's going to be very Top of the Pops, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm going out, so you're lucky. What year is it tonight? Um, it's the, they've just gone into 1985. Ooh. I suspect that the number one is I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. Okay, so it won't be long before so, they're into the 90s and I might start actually watching so it. So I would two and a half years, two and a half, because they do two a year. Oh, so, yeah. okay, that's a, few, that's a few years away then, yeah. Okay. So yeah, but I'm quite looking forward to it. We all know that the 90s started on the episode of Top of the Pops in 1989 that had the Stone Roses and the Happy Mondays on the same edition. There you go. They showed one during because over Christmas BBC Four did a lot of the um, the Christmas specials and they showed some from '96. It was fantastic. Babylon Zoo, the Childliners, Ooh. Spice Girls. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic! It really, I really loved it. Keep it. Three lead. Lions. Um, Killing me softly. Killing me softly was definitely on it. Yeah, I didn't know the Three Lions. Strange. Maybe I caught the end of it, so I'm not sure if it was because we were trying to find yeah, it on um, yeah. iPlayer to watch the rest of it. We just never got round to it. Maybe I'll do that tonight. Um, but thank you guys. Thanks for for that review uh, of Four Four Two, and thank you as always for joining us. You can follow me. At Ash Rose UK and the show at AK Nineties on the. On, hold now. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, you didn't even say thing. you didn't even say it, did you? Go on, say it. God, <laughs> Joel, Joel, baby, Herc. God. Yeah, on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Yes, thank yeah, you. There you go. Well, follow us all, and until then, uh, we're going to be talking um, probably transfers. We'll do a transfer show before the end of the month just to link it to what's going on in Ashes. The- Ash is at Ash Rose UK, by the way. Yeah, I am. Yeah, follow me. <laughs> say hello, as I always say on Grill Position. <laughs> but until next time, as I always say, keep it 90s.